0: Hey, this is Ross speaking with World Blind Bubble Radio, this RPPR Game Designers Workshop, Episode 19, Derail, Ruin, and Slingstone. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about three games that three RPPR cast members are working on. Uh, me, Caleb, and Sean, who is working on his first game. So, Hello! Uh, so we have two segments. We're gonna, first going to be talking to Sean uh, about his new game idea, Derail. But before we get into that, we do have news uh which is that uh the RPPR Patreon has a new special offer this is time limited uh to get uh enamel pins you see we've uh, uh i finally after 11 years decided to get a new logo for RPPR and uh the i got Casey Green to design a really cool logo and um we are uh, uh to celebrate i'm having enamel pins made and if you want to you if you want your own enamel pin uh, it, the first official RPPR merchandise. uh, <laughs> Outside of the books, uh, the back the RPPR Patreon by the end of September thirtieth at ten dollars or higher, and I will mail you a pen, a limited one. So, pins are awesome, actually. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's the latest fad with all the kids, you know. Really? Yeah. Latest? <laughs> it's been, for, been around for. Mm. So, never mind. Latest. <laughs> uh so it's new and hot. Okay. yes so uh take a look at that of course you get a ton of other benefits uh rewards uh on the VR patreon bonus podcast uh the ability to join online games run by me and other cast members and uh a lot of other cool benefits so and you know we're on a discord you can hang out and watch you know as i post the latest memes uh and talk about games so uh yeah uh anyways um we should talk about games. Probably. Yes, that is what the podcast is about. <laughs> so, games we're developing. Games we're, we're gonna, developing. We're yeah. workshop. Them. Um, I have, uh, yeah. So, I've made progress on Ruin. I've gotten two full playtests under under my belt, and uh, making a lot of. Uh, and the game is playable. It's workable. So, yay for that. But we have. Uh, before we get into that, uh, Sean, you've come up with an entirely new game idea, and you're working on it, and uh, we, you've done a couple play tests, right? Too? Yeah,
1: two play tests so far. I'm looking at getting a third one here soon, but yeah, it's just an issue of getting schedules together. Yeah. So tell us about uh, well, derail. Um, where to start on this? The general idea is that it's a it's supposed to be more of a one shot structure, you know, good for yeah. like convention games or just hey, so and so dropped out of our epic campaign tonight, and you mm-hmm. just want to do a thing. Um the central idea is that you know, the central conceit, I guess, is that the PCs are unimportant background characters and a frankly uninspired uh plot script. <laughs> uh so it can be based around a movie, a book, a video game was actually one of the playtests so mm-hmm. far, uh, which turned out interesting. Actually, pretty pretty it was pretty funny. <laughs> they they enjoyed themselves with that and thoroughly screwed with uh plug, the epic chosen one. Um <laughs> It's a great name for a protagonist. It is. <laughs> um, so the idea is you've become self-aware. You mm-hmm. realize that you're in a shit plot. Mm-hmm. You've broken through the for- fourth wall. Exactly. And this kind of gives players an excuse to be act a little bit out of character. You don't have to be perfectly you know, in mm-hmm. line with it. And the big thing you're trying to do is fight for your own agency within this story. And you have an agenda, a thing that you want to change with that plot, with that world. So that's what you fight for. So for example at second playtest one of the players wanted to become the secret hidden double secret boss battle and he p- spent the entire time building up towards it.
0: <laughs> oh the uh, is it the optional secret boss or like the final form of the the main boss?
1: Uh optional secret boss and okay. he straight up the ruby weapon. Yeah I guess. and it minor spoilers he straight up ugly murdered the hero. <laughs> <laughs> Not like here's the epic battle. No, he just runs up with a knife and <laughs> So <laughs> Nice. Uh, I, I guess you could say a last plug. We hardly knew you. Pretty much, all I thought that he was a jerk that just ran around the village breaking everybody's pottery, stealing their shit, and selling it back to them. Oh, that kind of hero, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so the idea is that yeah, you're in this uninspired plot. The script is totally, totally laid out for all the players and the and the GM to see. There's no surprises in that respect. It's up to the players to change things up, and the GM to respond with the appropriate setup. Um. It starts off with you being essentially, it, you're fighting through a really, really heavy the the heavy weight of following the convention as a regular, right? You know, unimportant character. You're expected to just do predestination it. versus free will, I right? Guess. You're fighting for your free will, um, and you have I call them fatal unscripted change kismet points. It's <laughs> how many fucks you have left to give. <laughs> I love <laughs> that you came up with that acronym for that. That's pretty good. Yeah, it is it's pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to make it work say, for a version I could probably come up with something, but mm-hmm. uh it's the whole again it comes to the whole conceit. You're, you're you're really just flipping off that kind of plot. Right, right. Um and so you've got 3 to give to start with and I've split it up into 5 acts per uh script. Mm-hmm. If you don't do anything, these 5 acts will progress in a specific way. Yeah. And so your whole goal, you've got your agenda that you have to fu- have to fulfill. And you have to plant a certain number of flags over the course of the game to push the plot, push the script in, into your favor and make sure it sticks. I'm still working on some of that aspects of it. Uh, every act, at least for the first three acts, you can make up to three investments. You can You can give a fuck about something and this is where the terminology starts kind of like getting a little bit loosey goosey there because I need to like nail some of this down. I wanted to go with conventions because that's the proper fucking term. Yeah. Uh, but apparently it's, it's more accessible if I say tropes, yeah. tropes, cliches, you know, things that just typically happen like, Oh, there's an evil twin. The dog must always live. I've got a bad feeling about this. Yeah. You have to make sure that that's always said and it always comes true. Yeah. If you invest in it, if it, if you've invested in that, if you put, if you give a fuck about it, um, and it is your responsibility whenever you put it forward and I'll come into that in a moment to make sure that it happens that it's defended, but you're risking it every time you do this um every time you give a fuck about you give give out a fuck about something, your fucks to give goes down. your mm-hmm. character gains a development, and acting against convention, acting against the script becomes easier. You are not filled with as many fears about you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: conforming. So when you hit, you know, it starts off with, you have three fucks to give, and you can go all the way down to zero. Your difficulty to do something outlandish that does not fit the setting or plot gets easier. Yeah, there's a table here. Fucks go from three to zero, and then base difficulty versus convention goes from seven to four. Right. And seven sounds impossible when you're playing a six-sided die. The thing that counteracts that is, one, you can try to sneak things through with not-so-risky actions to try and have a base four difficulty. Or you can start working in your developments. Characters get three developments, kind of a hop, skip, jump mentality. I mm-hmm. um, actually partially based this off of uh, my, one of my one of my models. Had a few for character development was Reggie from the uh, Phantasm series.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he
1: starts off, he's he just has an occupation.
0: Yeah, ice so, cream man.
1: He's the ice cream guy. He's Reggie, the ice cream guy. So that's how you start. Name occupation, and you come up with your agenda, which is your end game. Uh, then. He gives a fuck about something. He invests in, you know, save the kid or whatever. Uh, He gets a background. Mm -hmm. He was in Nam, which gives him actually, since he was, you know, former military, since he'd kind of been in the thick of things, he, you know, he would then get bonuses to act in such a manner. Whereas if he was just Reggie the Ice Cream Guy, he would not. Right. So, and then finally, hobby. Once you have one fuck left to give. He you know, you can get a hobby. So Reggie was suddenly a master gunsmith and made the quad gun or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah. So the I that's one model of it. Another example is like uh Steven Siege is a terrible example, but it fits. Yeah. He's just the cook. No wait. He's a navy SEAL. <laughs> and also he's an expert knife fighter. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, that's it's that progression that didn't come into play early on, but mm-hmm. it suddenly becomes more important. Um you can also diversify and this is kind of an emergent character design where as you go through the acts, by by act three, if you're playing things right and you haven't had terrible die rolls or made poor decisions, you will have full character development of occupation, background, and hobby. But you can decide based off of how things are progressing, what setbacks you've had, what do you want your bonus to because each development mm-hmm. gives you a plus one to your action. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, this is a really steep slope of development. So ideally, if you don't get screwed by the time you hit the end, you're practically godlike. Right. Um, one of the- Is that intentional? You want that power curve to be there? I do, actually. Okay. And I know it's also kind of a bit punitive towards players who screw up a lot, but mm-hmm. there has to be a risk. There yeah. has to be a possibility of, you know, that it's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, this is a one shot and it is, uh, I mean, it's designed to be a one shot game. Right. So that's like a you know, a game that you're going to heavily invest in your characters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you just want to fuck around and keep getting your character killed every time and just be, you know, keep making new ones. I do have yeah. systems in place for that. That's okay. kind of a background thing. Uh, the other ability that you gain as you give up your fucks, um, is the ability to edit. Towards the end cycle of fucks to give, when you're down to one and zero, you get this almost magical ability to edit the script. Mm -hmm. You just say, I'd like to make an edit. It's a risky action. You make your roll. It's a flat roll. And there's a change. Oh, it turns out, you know, they're like kind of plot hole based or Mm -hmm. kind of, uh, you know, continuity errors. Yeah. It's not quite deus ex machina, but it can get damn close.
0: Yeah, like, for example, maybe in a movie uh, that might be in theaters right now as we record this, uh, maybe your group of characters escaped uh, and are in a prison bus and are otherwise unarmed. And then uh, in the very next scene, they're in civilian clothing, relaxing at a party at a hotel, uh, and they all have lots of guns.
1: Yeah. That'll work. Yeah. yeah. That's that about right now. That's 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 see, it's not. quite. I mean, that's day, kind is. of ridiculous. God, don't, I'm not going to say what movie, but do I have to avoid it? Um. It's a trade wreck. Oh God. So yeah. But basically every time you do this, you know, to, you give away a fuck, you are investing in a, in your little cliche, in your little trope. And the, one of the key systems built into this is that you, to take an action, you have a set number of actions that you can take per act, five acts total, uh, when you invest, when you bid an investment, that allows you to take, you know, create a scene. When you create a scene that consists of you declare what you're bidding. So I'm bidding, I've got a bad feeling about this, so I have to make sure that's worked into the scene. That puts that thing potentially at risk. And you're trying to, you know, you're trying to plant a flag towards your agenda. I don't know what, you know, you're trying to sabotage the big damn hero's gun, mm-hmm. um, which isn't an insta-kill. It's just going to, you know, really put things in your direction because you don't mm. like them for some reason. Sure. Uh, you, decl- you, you bid the investment, you declare intended outcome. In this case, you're flagging, you're pushing your agenda and then you offer a stake. Typically this will be your investment. You have invested. I have a bad feeling about this. If you fuck this up, if you botch the role or whatever, you will lose that investment. You, al- alternately, you can bid hurt. Yeah, well, investments can also be like other characters in you know yes. NPCs you care about, or yeah. like grandma's grandma's ring that has some of the old magic and will save the day. Yeah, so you'd lose the ring. You would lose the ring. And Basically, yeah. you have to somehow work a risk to that ring into the narrative. You mm-hmm. you decide pretty much how it's going to go. You know, going to go away if you fuck this up. Mm-hmm. So let's suppose, yeah, you roll, you fail, and you put that ring up at risk. You tried to sabotage the gun, but then the ring fell down and started rolling down a sewer. You dropped the gun. You go f- die for the ring. You lost the ring. Mm-hmm. That was the risk. You knew you what knew was up there. You put it out there. Uh, alternately, when you were putting up your stakes, if you wanted to make damn sure that ring stays for the end game, you can you can put up there. You bid the ring, but you can put up hurt for your stakes. There are three levels of hurt. You trip, you stumble, you fall. And each one gives a bigger penalty. If you trip, however you fucked up, like you lost the ring, but in order to do that, you practically just like scraped yourself up as you dove across concrete, you know? Right. Um, so certain physical actions, you'll get a penalty. Can you take more than one level of hurt in a single action? Um, it is potentially possible. You can practically get yourself killed in one roll, but okay. that's that's a more deep play kind of thing. Okay. With the stumble, um, you t- take an additional negative consequence. Um and that's minus one to all of, all of your roles. And a fall, if you don't heal up for your next scene in this act, done. Character's out. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I remember some of your initial input for the first play test was there ne- needs to be some kind of control mechanism, some kind of uh, fate point, fate of Maxwell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I decided that since I, I really, really do want to like <laughs> – this is kind of a kind of a slap you in the face sort of game. Sure. Uh, the way you can reverse a roll, mm-hmm. you still lose whatever you put at stake, mm-hmm. but you offer to lose what you didn't put up at stake. Ooh, okay. So you chose to get hurt instead of lose the ring. So you, you get both if you. So essentially, if you want to make sure the gun really gets sabotaged, you do lose the ring and you're and you're hurt, but the gun was sabotaged. Okay, I uh, like that. Yeah. No, that way you have to sacrifice no matter what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that's good. The giving
0: players some control over the narrative I mean, more control over it. Uh right. But yeah, having a price to pay. So uh, yeah, you've done two playtests. The first one was me and Tom. Yes. And it was aliens invading a small town while fighting another group of aliens. I believe I called
1: it... Uh, give me a second. The Exterminator... Space Exterminator versus Space Roaches. A Star Exterminator versus the Space Roaches. All right, Star I Exterminator. I believe you named the... Uh, Badass main human hero. What was it again? Jack uh, Striker? Something like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. Something like super Adventure. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And that was, I didn't have like the scene structure defined just yet with like bidding things. It was just like. But players do get like an outline of the script. Like they do, they do know what, what is, what their future holds if they don't change it. So, you know, which is a really interesting mechanic. Uh, Again, I, it's that way it's, it also kind of gets around. All right. When players derail games half the time, it's because either they're just, you know, fucking bored and they think they know where it's gonna go, or they have no idea what twist you had in store. Yeah. This time, the players know what's in store and they are purposefully trying to derail the plot.
0: Yeah. So uh yeah, hence the name of the game. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, yeah, no, and, and I like that the players knowing what's going because they know what it's it's at stake. If they don't do anything. So like, like it gives them the initiative to action. like this is what's going to happen to your character. If you don't do anything. Oh shit. Well, I better. Yeah. A clear
1: blueprint for action. So. And essentially like for that, for that scenario, you guys, if you did not do anything, if you just stood still, yeah, the town's going to get nuked. Yeah. And you're not getting out or you're probably going to get ripped up somewhere along the way. Yeah, exactly. And so you're like, oh, fuck this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not getting caught in this, you know, train, you know, trash heap. Yeah. I'm going to fight my way out.
0: Yeah. And so my first action, I remember in the game was to lure all the space roaches into the meatpacking plant. So they would basically be there the entire game. And so I wouldn't have to deal with other than uh, right. wandering around. Um, and then I was like, well, I'm going to go steal some of the, the Star
1: Exterminators technology and then get out of town so I can sell it on eBay. Right. Yeah. And so like some of the things, things that informed, uh, kind of informed my uh, design after that first play test were Mm -hmm. limiting the number of actions per uh, act. Mm -hmm. So that's where the scene mechanic comes in. So act one, nobody has investments yet. So you get two free scenes. You don't have to bid anything, but you can still be at risk. Yeah. Hypothetically with some of the deep play mechanics. Yes. You can take essentially big flags, big Mm. damn swings, and you have to essentially risk two levels of, whatever yeah, yeah so it's going to be an automatic investment and hurt if you fail
0: yeah uh but yeah having an action economy is really important because i feel like that's something that's overlooked in rpgs but that's actually like that's a real power gamers way so if you get more actions you oh, yeah. know
1: in like D D or something like that you're a fucking way ahead of the curve so like, oh, yeah yeah um and there's also the, the yeah. thick narrative trick you know where yeah, you yeah. try to say like well i do this thing but then I'm also doing this. This I'm this, shouting this. to my friends, reloading the magazine
0: and and uh, yeah. scanning for traps. And I'm
1: I'm th- I'm throwing it in this exact specific way that's somehow going to give me a bonus. You're just yeah. chipping away at the difficulty and trying to get extra effects out of one. Yeah. And I my honest thought is fuck that. I'm uh, doing a tactical reload. God, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. That yeah. You players just got to min max. You know. Uh, th- every- this this system actually has it baked in that. No, you declare your one intended yeah. effect. Have you played Upwind, by the way? Yes, yes. Uh, okay. so, I remember so like, I was in one of the yeah. recorded uh, campaigns.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like, yeah, they, they they just have the entire scene is resolved at once, you know? Yeah. And so, like, I like that, having, you're done. Like, it's just, this is what's going to happen. You have your one chance to do a thing, but you can't keep endlessly going you know, over it or
1: trying to, you know. Essentially, break. that's one of the things I wrote that I'm probably going to write into the final uh, mm-hmm. layout of it is, you know, a mini essay about your right to call bullshit as a GM. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds horrible, That's, but. No, it's a pretty good one. Uh, uh, probably come up with some polite ways to say, to remind players, you know, like when in the second play test, one player, their background was they were in the Thieves Guild. Oh, do I get my Thieves Guild bonus? Because I'm trying to steal the plot. Fuck no, dude. <laughs> not <laughs> happening. I'm not having that. Yeah. Let's keep it simple. Exactly. Uh, So yeah, well, uh, tell us about the second play test you've done so far. Uh, Second play test, again, it was based off of, all those games about a chosen legendary hero who goes, well, was up- it a fantasy or a sci-fi? it was fantasy set okay,
0: Um, it was, okay. To be blunt, it was See, sw- when you said Plug, I was picturing like a bulky space
1: marine-esque
0: guy. <laughs> oh, God. No, no, no. It was uh, an elite tactical soldier. It's some
1: wispy little shit with a, weird, with a funny hat and pointy ears okay. and all that. You know? All right. Not not
0: what I was thinking when I, yeah. I heard Plug. I all just right. called him
1: Plug for kind of a personal joke. <laughs> all right. That's fair. <laughs> I just wanted to give him the, the worst name that could sound like the real name <laughs> it was based on, like the same idea. Mm, the legend of Plug. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All uh, right. So the whole idea was that, again, they're members of Plugs, Boring Hometown, Mm -hmm. where you don't fuck with the chickens or whatever. Um, And they all chose to be shopkeeps, actually.
0: Oh, that's, yeah. Specifically. Sneaky
1: good move. They're all shopkeeps, and they're they're done with Plugs shit. (laughs) And they know that the world's going to end if he fucks it up. So they're going to try to guide things and create elements of their own. Uh, One of the players had this great idea, uh, you know, props to her. She was the owner of the pottery shop. Her plan was to create a monopoly on pottery in this, like, world that should be bigger but isn't.
2: hmm
1: Oh, yeah. So, one of her first, like, flags planted was she put her assistant into overdrive to just start <laughs> producing pottery like a motherfucker. All right. Uh, another player wanted to essentially supplant the elemental sages by de- essentially convincing everybody that he is the real elemental sage. <laughs> <laughs> which led to some interesting things. And both he and the last player shared a gimmick, but it wasn't one of their investments. Uh, the last one was a clothier surprise um, <laughs> who wanted to, and he was the one who wanted to become the super secret, you know? Oh yeah. Band yeah. Band. Uh, okay. So they shared the gimmick of essentially every, every elemental theme town they go to uh, the sage tries to sneak up to when the hero is going to get advice for how to complete the quest push the real sage aside or intercept the hero and give him shit advice. (laughs) I thought they're trying to help the hero. Oh no, 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 no. Well, technically, yeah. Okay. The sage guy wanted to help the hero, Uh but he decided he just didn't like the hero because I was trying to enforce that. So every time that he interacted with the hero, they were trying to talk in speech boxes because they decided to get into it. And every time this guy would talk, it was just click, click, yeah. Click, click. Oh, what's that clicking noise? That's, that's the hero clicking on your dialogue boxes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you could have just uh, alternately. You could have had the hero. Okay. I tell the hero advice.
1: <laughs> it was kind of like Bleh. that. I mean, the hero never, said, never actually said anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, at some points, he just takes a random swing at somebody. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> so uh, the clothier was literally going through it. He was trying to physically replace every shopkeep. That was one of his investments. Well, what, what – I mean, how are they going to uh, save the world then if, uh, like, they were sabotaging the hero? Yeah. They, they weren't so much looking at saving the world. Oh, they wanted the world to end. Yeah. You can do that. That's, okay. that's, that changes I mean, the plot. I mean, that's fine. All yeah. right. I mean, you don't have to – I mean, it's – it's this is kind of born out of spite for the plot. Sure. For the story. So you can try to save the world in the hero's stead. Nobody mm-hmm. opted to replace the hero, which is a thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Um Instead, one person wanted to become a bigger baddie than the regular bad guy. Yeah. Um, Another guy was just trying to become the sage and decide to try and, you know, his epilogue that he wanted to work in was that he's going to mold a new hero. Mm -hmm. And another person just wanted that fucking monopoly on pots throughout the world. (laughs) And one of the things she did was, one of her flags that she planted was to go, uh, I'm going to make damn sure that plug is aware that there's treasure in every pot. So I'm <laughs> going to go around and at great, at, at great personal risk. I'm going to throw as much of my money into pots and in random areas and point them out to the hero. So he just gets in the habit of breaking every fucking pot around. He's a one man wrecking crew and that's going to increase demand for my supply. All right. <laughs> it's, it's kind of fun. <laughs> uh, so what did you learn from that playtest? test? Uh, oh God, they were, this, this is the group that I expected to really try to just go for broke and see how much advantage they can get out of every single little bit. And this is the first one where I first – when I enacted the uh, play I'm account. tactically pottering. Yeah, I yeah, know. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I should be able to heal myself from hurt automatically because I'm an alchemist. No, that's an action. A- healing yourself is an action you can take. You have to sacrifice your action to do that. Um, oh, well, he's an alchemist. He should be able to give assist rolls. They really wanted assist rolls, which I'm like – I'll find a way, but... Well, make it cost an action. Basically, that's that's one of the things. You have to sacrifice an action. Uh, We want to share a scene. Does that help? Let us help each other out. Like, not really. You're pushing your own agenda. Well, I mean, to be fair, there should be some... Like, I mean, it is a game, a role... Well, not a role-playing
0: game, but, like, they need reasons to interact with each other. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things... Without penalty, yeah. So that's
1: why I'm, like... One thing I scribbled down when I first got here was... You can potentially borrow somebody uh, somebody else a little bit and use one of their, their developments, their occupation, background, or hobby to assist in action you're taking if you share a scene. Mm-hmm. That might be an incentive there without making it – you know how assist mechanics just get fucking abused like they were caught breaking in? Well, sure. Yeah. So I'm trying to avoid the instantaneous, we're always helping each other completely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that way – God, I just want to avoid them in that <laughs> shit. All right? <laughs> I want this to be more about the story and how you're fucking with the plot. Yeah. Uh, more about pushing your agenda than about just the total min max setup. which is why I was trying to keep a simple system. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. No, no, you're on the right path. Um, maybe bake it into the thing in order to use certain actions. You have to have another person in there. The person doesn't give you a bonus, but the person gives you permission to do something.
1: I actually did have one for when a player is falling behind and you do, you know, they, they lost an investment early on. So they they get fewer actions in the end game. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can take an action to attempt to assist them. Mm-hmm. If the action succeeds, they get an action. Okay. You've, you've sacrificed for it. Yeah, well, that's just a transfer of action. It me. is. And then, again, if, they, if we use the scene sharing, then yeah. you can still get the bonus for
0: Well, I mean, system. maybe as, as I thought, maybe instead of like a players need another player to get a bonus, players need a, another player's permission to do a thing, to even attempt it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like – um like if you want you like, yeah, if you, you need uh yeah, I don't know how to work it out, but like, uh, or you, maybe you add in some sort of vignette scenes, uh, but like have players have additional players be a prerequisite. So like everybody gets their actions, but everybody can be in like maybe another uh, essentially another currency. So you have your actions as a currency uh, and then like sheen scenes that you can show up in per act. And then that's another currency. It's a, so, yeah. scenes you can show up in, as opposed to scenes you create, because yeah, so, the scenes you can create is like the main. So, like in in D anD D, there'd be like a difference between a standard and a minor action. You get one standard yeah. action, or you know, one minor action, and so like your assist is the minor action. So, but that's a separate
1: thing than a standard action. So, okay, to I'll I'll, I'll throw this out there because yeah. I'm actually that I can I think I might figure out how to work that in. Uh, the way it worked is that Act One, you get two freebies. Yeah. Act two and three, you get one freebie each. One free action or I might call it just a different something else, but it's an action where you don't have to bid anything. Yeah. And then for every investment you have, you can bid to create another scene. Mm-hmm. Those are your main actions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean if you want to use them the movie thing more, you could either like starring or support, you know,
1: for each scene. So we can just build so I can just build and you get one free support through certain acts. Yeah. Or yeah. Or you could use maybe if you use one of your scenes to establish that you will have Two support actions instead, mm-hmm. something like that, yeah, if you really want to go the super teamwork thing
0: well uh, i mean yeah I, I, I as a as a game designer, I would always look for ways to get players talking to each other, I think that's that's uh they
1: kind of already were like they were working a lot of their stuff together, yeah but that's that group specifically, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'd probably figure out some way. You to want to give – yeah, you want to give them, like – I mean, that's one of the brilliance, I think, of the Red Market's vignette scenes is that it put cast players in other roles. Uh, with the second play test, one of the things I did establish was there's incident – I called them incidentals because they wanted to do a thing and they didn't really care if it had an effect or not. Mm-hmm. And so I might just take that and then incentivize it, mm-hmm. um, which does bring me to another – like some, some small things that I was trying to work in. Um Incentive, you know, the incentive thing, like you were wanting to do like product placement in that first play test. Oh, you know? yeah. Like, we're <laughs> like, that, I love the idea. My main problem is, again, with that second group, I knew they would try to hammer that shit. Yeah. They would just be like, oh, and now I do another product placement and another product placement. I'm doing one. Yeah, two, yeah, you a- need, yeah. You need, you need limits on things. Yeah. So uh, I decided to create the novelty bonus. Mm-hmm. The novelty bonus being uh, if you put something funny, schlocky, interesting enough, mm-hmm. entertaining enough into a scene – I might go. That was pretty good. You get a plus one to your roll or a minus with your difficulty. However, I want to work mm-hmm. that out. Uh, one, but they're all one and done. Mm-hmm. If it's happened once, that joke's just not fun anymore. So yeah. move the fuck on. Yeah. Uh, also, if it's part of one of your investments, these are how you anchor yourself into your you know ability to act in any you know in any act. So if it's already something that's b- baked into your character, it's not a novelty. It's your character. That kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, So that's kind of what I'm working on so far with that. Uh, As far as the late game deaths, you know, you might show up if it's like super late in the game to kind of give you a secondary character that pops up who might have some kind of agency. They'll start with one investment or something like that or have a free action in certain acts Mm -hmm. just to get you caught up. I mean, maybe like you don't get too too wrapped up in the specific
0: things like novelty versus p- product placement or whatever, but just say you can do a a thing to justify this kind of bonus, and yeah. then you just role play it however you want it.
1: Like that was the idea. Frame like, it however you skin it however if, you want. If it. you work if you work something into the uh, if you work something a little extra, I guess. Yeah. Really. If you do something extra in that scene, it's like yeah, that that's worthy of a bonus. Yeah. But then what worries me is there will be those players who will try to work tons of extra stuff and it does get tedious. So, well, no, yeah. Yeah. Just say
0: like you get one kind of bonus for mentioning doing one type of thing. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, very much on the school of one and done kind of quick uh, resolution. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a really fun idea. And definitely like, I think there's a sort of a dearth of games that focus on the one shot and the convention game. Like, I mean, there's most RPGs are designed for campaign play. Yeah. And that's fine. But, like, we wind up playing a lot more one shots than campaigns because it's just,
1: you know, time investment, you know? Right. I mean, it, it, there's plenty of games that you ha- really do seem geared towards one shots that I enjoy thoroughly because you mm-hmm. just get a chance to run in, do some crazy things, have fun with it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I was kind of aiming for that. This is mm-hmm. just a chance to do some crazy shit. And. Again, I guess it could sort of be seen as a catharsis for players who really want to go off the beaten path, but still have to, yeah. you know, giving them the map, the plot ahead of time is a really,
0: it's, it's a great, it's a brilliant yeah. idea for this kind of game. So just, like, just lets you know, here's what's going to happen. Yeah. How do you want
1: to screw with this? Yeah. This is where you're going to wind up. How do you avert that? You know, how and, do you change that? Yeah. And so the idea is to have a lot of these scripted out ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And I was considering having, uh, you know, some sample agendas, some sample tropes listed in mm-hmm. of things that really apply to this well. And that way you've got a roadmap mm-hmm. and the, it's the GM's job mainly to react and kind of keep things reined in. Mm-hmm. This also could be considered more of a light GMing game. Uh, Yeah. You know, one thing you could do is like maybe use the investments
0: as a way to both rein in and provide definition for types of actions so like every type of investment you get get you get one type of act unique action for it and so that's where the product placement that's where the novelty and that's like you're essentially you're building your character
1: by your investments does that make sense Actually, actually kind of does but again one of the issues that i'm going to be running into is uh, making this more accessible to like the second play test, there were, there were a couple of players who just had to sit down and really open up their phones and start looking up different plots and trying to figure out what common tropes are, even though they had, yeah. had played the. Well, know, I, I the think I are. mean,
0: like if you give them like, yeah, predefined investment. So like, uh, you know, lovely old uh, grandmother, uh, you know, that gives them the unique ability of uh, flashback of, you know, mother's lesson,
1: you know, and yeah. so that that's, you know, their one unique action. But I also kind of want to keep it open for players who want to yeah. go off that because that would yeah. that's kind of in the spirit of the game that you know. Well, I, I mean, I've they're they're it. they're more listed
0: as examples, but yeah. yeah,
1: and then just maybe go okay, no, I can see that how an investment might give you a specific uh, bonus if you work it into that action. Mm-hmm. If that's if that's the investment you're bidding, mm-hmm. it, yeah, you bid it, yeah, yeah. So you might be trying to take an action that does not match the investment, you won't get the bonus for it. Yeah, but, okay, I can see. But that. But it's so. also yeah,
0: uh, like character creation during the game is you're you're you you define your character primarily by their investments and by yeah. their, uh, well, you also have the hobby or you, you, yeah. you have the background and everything. But i mean, no, I
1: actually, I can see how that would help yeah. focus things in a little bit more. Yeah. And, uh, that, that could work. I'm, I'm, I'm scribbling this down as we go. Yeah. Um, so no, I can see that again, that's, this is like mainly I wanted to get the crunchy bits done. Yeah. Yeah. And, you want to get the base mechanic and then have resolved. enough of a library for, One of the reasons I want to have a a broad library for this is not everybody's seen all the same movies. Not everybody's, you know, buried themselves neck deep in uh, Mm post-apocalyptic, you know, road-weary type movies. Not everyone is as online and cynical as we are. That's true, also. (laughs) Yeah, that's one of the playtesters in the second. He admitted at the end, it took me a couple of acts to really get into the whole cynicism of the game. (laughs) Yeah. But once he did, oh, my God. Oh, he did something so screwed up, it was funny. Yeah. So, uh, they're in act – they're working up to Act Five. Mm-hmm. They're not quite there yet. They're 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 finishing up Act Four. The hero is making his way to the uh, barren kingdom of Lord Bad Guy. I think that's actually what I called him, Lord Bad Guy. Um, and he decides to establish himself as the Sage, but he wanted to make damn sure nobody could argue that he was you know, argue about him being the Sage. And he decided that the way he was going to enforce this was that there was an entire fortress right beforehand. You know, the fortress before the bit. You know last pit stop before the big fight. Yeah. And we'd already established this was a setting that had bombs and a fortress like this would have a storage place for bombs. He was an alchemist. He made a little trail. He blew up the entire fucking fort. The one with all the other sages. Uh, there were no sages. Oh, okay. It's not baked in. He was, he was becoming the sages. Oh, okay. And then he was trying to establish that's a thing the hero needs to do is visit the sage. And he put on a different you know mustache or beard and a different robe every time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So we're going to the Cloud City. I'm putting on a big fluffy white beard and a blue robe. <laughs> we're going to Firetown where everything's inexplicably on fire. I'm wearing a red robe and a black handlebar mustache, you know. Yeah. So. Nice. Uh that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, one of the biggest things is to cut players loose. This is not this is not a serious game. No. Uh at all. It's not meant to be the and end goal for publishing is I don't know, like fifty pages at most. I mean this is more of yeah. a pamphlet game.
0: Yeah, yeah. Print on demand, yeah. Uh, paperback, you know, a couple pieces of art. Uh yeah. and yeah. Sounds fun. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, if and if you do this, like we could you could uh get other people to write additional like I was
1: pitches. I, I was going to try to get Aaron to do a, a tokusatsu based like oh a yeah bad Saban tokusatsu movies that are mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing they're all they have the same plot pretty much probably and if I'm sh- I'm sure he knows this a lot better than I do I mean I can research it but yeah, yeah. I don't think I want to yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man so nice. but yeah know again I want to make it super easy for people to make their own scripts yeah. Uh, so it's going to be pretty formulaic and I'll have guidelines for doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, split it into five acts, be as cynical as fucking possible. Uh, whatever you pre-establish that the players aren't going to be, you know, mouthing off about make it sound dumb on purpose yeah. so that the players, <laughs> so the players, yeah, the to, to key, the players into the fact that we're fucking around with this. We're yeah. not, we're not going to be, this is the key phrase I want to throw in there is this is not a love song. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the genre based games, uh, is it okay if I shout out a, like a couple? Go for it. Like slasher flick is a great yeah. example of one that I looked at. You know, it incentivizes you to act within genre by giving you points for mm-hmm. it, and it is kind of a love song, and it's a really awesome game. Yeah, I yeah. love it. But that's not what I'm doing. Yeah. Or uh, dirty world is kind of a good you know noir sort yeah. of like we love this style. Here you know here's your incentive to act. You know, be kind of a bastard in this. Yeah. Uh, this is. Here's your incentive to just dick with everything. <laughs> you now have the cheat codes of this genre. Now fuck with it. Pretty much. Yeah. And
0: yeah. Uh. Yeah. No. It sounds fun. Uh. I'm looking forward to it. So, um, the so we'll uh, as you make updates, we'll have you uh, on future episodes. Oh, wonderful. So,
1: yeah. Uh. So and I'll be recording every play test so that maybe just throw that into like a Kickstarter incentive thing or yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We can definitely do that.
0: So, yeah, if you guys are interested in this, uh, feel free to uh, comment about it on the site. Um, but, yeah, I'm also working on Ruin. I've made substantial progress. Uh, and I'm going to be breaking up my discussion of it between Sean and Caleb because Caleb will be on in the next segment to talk about his next game idea yeah. that he has been playtesting. But... Um, Sean, you were in the very first uh, playtest, and was uh, it the very oh, that was the very first of the new yeah, system. Okay. Yeah, yeah, of the, of the actual yeah. ruin as it is. I've dropped trying to use Gumshoe; it's its own system now. Um, but I basically one one of the first tips I want to give to game designers is like actually if, when you're running your game, like print out all the pages, uh, put them what I did was uh, uh, put them in little pla each page in a plastic sleeve and then put it in a three ring binder so I could flip through pages easily. And then I put a table of contents at the front so I could find things easily. Uh, because you're, if you're looking through your notes and they're just loose leaf papers, it's easy to lose yeah. track of that shit.
1: So um, I've yeah, just, I've just been labeling previous printouts with dates and Well, <laughs> so. Yeah. But yours, your game is like, a, it's like, like four pages. Yeah. Yeah. It's my,
0: my game is many words uh, at this Quite. point uh so it's words yeah and it will be more words Ooh. so the yeah um well, let's talk about the first thing that you uh character creation for uh ruin so um ruin right now is character creation happens during the game it's sort of a um part of the um basically i sort of for the first play test i came up with like a list of what the player should do and when we should stop and Let's see here. So there's uh, several scenes that you have to do. So every player first has a check-in scene because the place takes place. Then there is the wake-up call, and then uh, the the third scene is the front desk. And so these three scenes um, basically they're they're played as vignettes um, and uh, wake or uh, check-in. Is the scene where every player sort of briefly describes part of what their character was doing the night before the night the night they checked into the the sleep easy uh, inn and then they wake up in ruin in the structure uh, they they were doing stuff before that, so like you role play a scene of what their character was doing before you know at some point during that day um, before they they woke up and you know woke up trapped inside the uh,
1: ruin. And um, so Sean what did you do? I don't remember. Uh I was doing the uh failed failing stand-up comedian who's it's not that he's oh, yeah. funny, it's just that he's just become super discouraged with life and where he is and he's not connected with the audiences. Incidentally, I did na- name him Pagliacci. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh this
0: scene must include a conversation with an NPC, uh and you designate another player to do instead of just the GM.
1: So, I had Tom play the uh owner of the club. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And he's like, "Oh, that's really great. Really... Yeah, well, you won't get him now. you will get him next time. Sure. Hey, hope you like the free beer. Here's a few coupons for for your next show. Like, I, I, this was my last show at this bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, see you next time when you come back through. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that that was kind of where I went with that. I think Tom was the ghost hunters guy. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Kayla played a sociopathic salesman, uh, Uh, for educational materials. Yeah. Uh, mostly professional development
0: materials. I believe. And so at the end of the scene, um, let's see here. The, uh, the player who role plays the NPC summarizes how the character acts with a phrase. And that becomes one of the traits.
1: Um, I think I went to broken. Yeah. Broken.
0: (laughs) So basically the way it ruined is your player character has like seven traits, six normal ones. And then an emotional state, uh, an an emotional trait. And these traits change during the game, but you know, they give you a plus 20 bonus on certain actions if they're applicable. Um, so a broken one, I mean, it's all basically on how the player justifies it. The player could say, well, I'm broken side, so I'm not as easily scared by things. I'm broken. So laws mean
1: nothing anymore.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so it's easier for me to ignore certain stresses. Um, yeah. and then the player says, uh, well then the GM asks the player, uh, do you think your social skills are your strong point, your weak point, or kind of average? And then a player answers and that gives them a 20 or 40 or
1: 60% in that ability. What I kind of liked about when we were, when we were going through that, that it was your, since it's kind of a, uh, kind of a contained thing after a fashion, mm-hmm. we were allowed, you know, I define my character not it's not that he wasn't capable, it wasn't a base stat. Mm-hmm. So it's not that he's technically able able to be charming. He's just really discouraged at the moment. Yeah. Uh it's I can note that and still put his social skills at rock bottom. Yeah. Because he's just not not feeling it.
0: Yeah. Uh so yeah, it gives players a lot of options. And I've I've also I've run two play tests of them both times players really got into it. it. Like it gave them a strong hook to establish their character. From the very beginning, it gave them some sort of framework about who this person is and what they're doing. So it got them thinking about their character. And so it works. I think it works really well. Um, it, I mean, I need to do more playtesting, obviously. But um, then the second scene is check in. Uh, or no, second scene is wake up call. Sorry. Um, wake up call is waking up inside your hotel room and realizing something's wrong. And the scene doesn't end. And it's just the player by themselves. Uh, by themselves, but then the p- scene doesn't end until the player leaves the their room, and so the scene is like: I, you
1: wake up and something's wrong. Then I, mean, I described something freaky. I don't remember what I did for you in particular. Uh, I got a weird phone call. I think Tom looked out the window and noticed that he couldn't see anything or something yeah. like that. It's uh, different for every player. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, I, I I do like that. So, yeah,
0: it's going to be, I'm coming with a big old list of suggested things and then the GMs can improvise them. It could be things like instead of a window, you see a, a, a painting of your hallway outside your room and the exact place where you saw it, or like, it's incredibly cold in your room. Um, and so the player is sort of basically, and at the end of this, so this is a brief scene usually, because there's no, like there may be interaction if there's a voice on the phone, uh, but then the uh the scene ends when they leave, and so like at that point, you ask it, what do you think your problem solving abilities are, and that and you put that in for your mental one? I can't remember what I put in for yeah. that one, but yeah, uh, and then the uh the the also the g m notes what they're carrying with them when they leave their room, which is like I
1: think Tom carried his whole bag out or something yeah. shit like that, and i I just grabbed a beer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Whether they're dressed or not too. Yeah uh, yeah. uh, so this is also kind of like a, like I want this game to be like something you can replay again from the same perspective. So like you learn, you have sort of a metagaming thing, um, that like, Oh yeah, shit. I should take all my luggage with me. So I have more luggage when I start, when I'm actually in there. Cause you can't go back in your room. Um, uh, because that's a whole separate thing, uh, as you find out. So the, but, um, yeah no but yeah and there's a whole mechanic to deal with players having metagame knowledge of the the settings like i have you know you you now your trade is i have i have memories of this place or i have been here before how but i don't remember everything what the fuck and so that gives its own disadvantage so you can explicitly metagame in ruin but like there are consequences for doing that like
1: no i mean that's uh, actually a really good idea
0: yeah um because again i'm trying to go after these like The style of narrative video games that people replay over and over again to pick up different bits of the narrative uh, to explore more, you know, and uh, yeah, so the the, because one of the themes of the game is exploration. And so then finally, the third scene is the front desk. And that's where all the players meet each other because they always show up at the front desk at the same time. And uh, that one at that point, you know, once you figure out your mental ability, then you also figure out your physical ability. Uh, So you have your strong, your average and your weak in one of those. So 60, 40, and 20%. Those are your base abilities. Um, and then you have at least one trait, uh, defined prop, maybe even two. Um, so, uh, cause the GM can assign another trait if it's uh, relevant. So, um, I think actually in wake up call, you can, you can do that too. So that, that's sort of up in the air. Um, yeah. uh, Oh, and you also defined your emotional state. Uh, your emotional state, um, is, Basically, setting a sanity system, you have stress, and stress goes from zero to ten. And then each each time e- you start in a certain emotional state, you know, like calm, in in denial, afraid, panicking, angry, frustrated. And I'm still working on that. But each emotional state will have a, a different ability attached to it. Like if you're frustrated, you can break things to lower your stress, like physically destroy objects <laughs> or yell at other players or other people. Um, and then, uh, so, yeah, so I don't know what are your thoughts of the character creation at all?
1: Um, I think again, it's one of the things that, I mean, I was pushing it, you're pushing that I've seen it in a few different games. It's kind of rare actually compared to I me, mean, but I, I've seen it and usually it's a thing I've always praised, uh, emergent character development, at least, at least through the first scenario, if it's a campaign setup or, uh, throughout a game, if it's a one shot or however you want to work it, the idea that. Instead of walking to the table with a preset concept, you, you can respond as you begin as you begin play. As you mm-hmm. s- get a feel for what you're doing, the character can emerge as opposed to I come to the table with a preset character idea. I start playing it, and I decide this isn't the right character for this game. Mm-hmm. This gives you a chance to kind of backpedal a little bit, alter. Um, the only other games I can think of – I know there's plenty out there. Weirdly, the two games I can think of that did this on some level were Cyber Generations, which was a failed spinoff. Well, so it's not going to have failed, but it was a spinoff. <laughs> I loved it. All right. It was a great game. Uh, Cyber Generations, which was a spinoff of Cyberpunk 2020. Yeah. Back in the 90s. And that first game I reviewed for After Hours, <laughs> Immortal. Oh, yeah. Did yeah. Actually, I, one thing I did remember praising was the character creation system was you start with a few basic ideas, and you've got this pool that you define – you define your abilities based on past lives that you discover through, you know, through play, whatever is needed. And that defines your character and limits your future actions. Uh, it's a different version, but I just love the idea that you can start with a basic idea of a character and just kind of sharpen that through actual play instead yeah. of having to s- sit down, define everything right off the top of the bat, and now you're stuck with that shit.
0: Yeah. Um, also, Ruin, like, I mean, the reason why, like, there's no skill list um, is because... One, it ruined like, skills aren't going to – like, you know, if you wanted to find really important things about your character, like you say you have a military background or you're a parkour (laughs) expert and, like, that's a defining trait, then fine. But I didn't want to get bogged down with skill lists and stuff like that because, you know, in any any sort of uh, game, like, half the skills never come up. And so you waste
1: points on them. Um, The same thing happens with, like, games with established equipment lists and stuff like that. You get the shopping effect where you're – you ever just sit there at the beginning beginning of a game, everybody's put, you know, putting together characters, probably the guy who showed up at the last minute, sitting there with the book for like half a freaking hour, mm-hmm. trying to pick out the right skills and the right equipment. And the, you know, yeah, it gets, it gets tedious for the players. I, yeah. I've always, I want to sit down and play, pick Yeah, pick up and go,
0: just do it. Um, yeah. And that's the other thing is, yeah, there's no equipment shopping. Um, basically there's a currency for items, luggage, Uh, and you basically spin points of luggage to pull out certain items out of your luggage, uh, that are then useful. Um, you know, everyone starts with a cell phone unless they specifically say they don't. Uh, and that's a separate currency. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of uses for cell phones in the game um and even though you can't make calls you can you know there's a wi-fi network you can connect to uh there's also then there'll probably be others uh you know flashlight uh noise makers yeah noise makers there's 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 there, there will be and also document things oh yeah um take photos and videos and uh stuff like that so um yeah the 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 yeah, there's a lot of interesting things uh, going on with it, but yeah, like you don't buy items, you just have to scavenge them or craft them. So I'm going to make crafting a major component about it. But that's that's. I'll, I'll talk about that more. With, I guess, with Caleb, uh, we'll let we'll us focus on character creation right now. Um, were there any weak points or like things you think I would do? I should try differently. Um, um, do you think
1: it's too simple? I don't know. Simplicity is good. I just think one of the other issues is again, it's just that like turn taking, making sure that certain players don't develop faster than others, because like I know that. I, oh, I was in that play test with Caleb and he, I know he was going ape shit and it was awesome, but
0: yeah, the, he was trying to stress test the system, which, which, is, by making which is great.
1: But you know, he, he was getting tra- he was racking up traits and it's like, oh, I'm going to do a thing. And it didn't quite come out to a trait. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I was just kind of trying to get a feel for what does it take to earn a trait? Yeah. Uh, it's actually, I actually kind of took that to heart when I was, dis- when I was coming up with the idea of uh, parsing out actions mm-hmm. and establishing, no, you will get a thing if you take an action. If you invest in this time, yeah, your character will develop it will it will happen, yeah, I do need to nail down like how you define a
0: trait uh one thing is traits will change over the game, um and in mm. fact, uh I have decided that basically instead of your character like if they they die like their their character's over um because the ruin is a weird place uh if your character would normally die like say you fall into an endless ocean, you know, yeah. uh, the, then you wake up back in the, uh, in the ruin in the, in the hotel and you now, one of your traits is just blacked out. Uh, and that, that trait is now gone. So when you run out of traits, then you just disappear into the structure forever.
1: I, I like that actually. So,
0: uh, you get multiple lives, but, um, it also deals with like, if you, if you, um, basically the way the emotional states works versus your sort of calm or panicking, uh, then you get really agitated uh, and then you have a breakdown, but then you get to a state where you're like, okay, but you've accepted the reality for what it is, and your emotional state is more like powerful in the sense that like you you can deal with more of the the weird shit that you see in the ruin. But if that one breaks, then you're broken. So like and you hit the multiple stage of uh,
1: breakdown breakthrough yeah. kind of setup, which yeah. I,
0: which was really cool. So yeah, so basically there's four tiers of it. One and two. One is denial. Two is panic. Three is acceptance, and then four is broken. So like you want to get to three, but you don't want to go to four. Um, and so that's the idea with that. So, uh, because I don't like the idea of like, Oh, you've lost 15 sanity points. Well, now you're, uh, you have a phobia and, or yeah,
1: that is kind of one of the weaknesses of a lot of sand systems. Yeah. Things like that was like, uh, your hit points are gone. You're fucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just changing wh- who you are and what you can do. So different
0: abilities unlock based on your emotional state and stuff like that. So, yeah. uh, I want to add more stuff about manipulating, like instead of insanity, it's called stress or intensity. Like that's the main thing. It's intensity, emotional intensity. When you get overloaded with an emotional intensity, you have a breakdown and then you go to a new trait. Um, so, um, yeah, but, um, yeah, characters start out very simple because, you make you define your character as you play like you rack up abilities and you rack up changes to your character Uh and the whole point of the, the, the idea is in ruin. This is the most important part of your character's life like you, what you did beforehand doesn't matter as much because you're basically in an alien environment you have to learn from scratch so. Everyone's basically kind of this in in a similar situation. Like, even if you're like, "Oh, I'm a special military ex sniper." Well, you know, shit here doesn't make sense, and you don't have a sniper rifle. Oh yeah, I do. I have a sniper rifle. Well, okay, it doesn't fucking work very well in the monsters because you know
1: they don't ignore the physics. Oh, the eternal war against the uh I'm a former special forces badass. Yeah, player character because uh, that's actually been printed in a lot of games in the past. As people just oh my god and it does happen
0: yeah well i mean the game is more based on yeah exploration and crafting so um the idea of like figuring out how to how to gather resources and how to utilize them wisely um and then just navigating the the structure itself and figuring out how it works um because yeah uh yeah that's that's the idea i wanted I, I do know in the first play test one of the problems and then the second play test that came up is that I uh, the game is about exploration and what happens i've realized is that players if you don't give them a reason to stay together will not stay together and everyone will fucking
1: oh we split the fuck up Yeah hard. you you split, uh.
0: yeah you split up f- very far very fast and if you don't want to have like six different plots running at the same time you need a reason to keep them together yeah, how about
1: a teamwork mechanic? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, there is
0: going to be a teamwork mechanic. There's also going to be a tethering mechanic. Uh I'm going to try out next the third playtest which means everyone who wakes up and
1: finds themselves in the hotel at the same time are tethered together. So like uh, if, yeah. What about the idea of developing an emotional dependency on somebody? Um I know it sounds weird, but it's I'm just throwing this out there as a possible sand mechanic that you sacrifice, you know, your a little bit of independence yeah. to Gain a little bit of resistance, maybe, because you've got a buddy.
0: Yeah, but that's going to, that like, yeah, that that's might not going to, that, that, well, I mean, it would not really get abused, but that takes time to set up. So, like, it would not be available like that. That would, yeah. I'm, I'm saying it, it wouldn't be like a beginning game thing. It'd be developed yeah.
1: over the course of the game. So. Yeah, I'm just focused
0: on the beginning of the game right now. So if that, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, I'm still doing one shots of it. I do want to do a campaign of it, but I I need to plot out the structure enough that it's, you know, fully mapped, at least in my head, um, to figure out how players get from one place to the other, how many different pocket dimensions are available essentially and that kind of thing. So
2: Hmm.
0: I've already made some progress in that. And that's why I want to do another playtest. So, um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, I mean, it, it's a playable game. So that that's the biggest thing for me, <laughs> but yeah. like um, figuring out, I, th- I think the the best thing, the best thing about it right now is actually character creation. I think character creation is pretty much ready. Like at least in terms of the st- like emergent, like you, everyone here, make your character in 10 minutes. Now we're playing, you know, everyone had their, it's like five minutes or so per player to do the, the first few scenes usually on average. Yeah, uh, timing it so like six players I got through in thirty minutes before everybody was at the front desk, um, and then so that was pretty good I feel, um, and that gets everybody like I you feel more of a connection to this character than if like I am in private detective Smith and I am investigating this cult.
1: It also again it prevents somebody from showing up with this enormous you know, goddamn backstory that they're trying to shoehorn into the game. And it's, you know, well, I mean, like the thing is, if you, you could have a backstory for
0: your character, but it would be for a normal person who is sleeping at a hotel by the highway. Like it's not, um, yeah, you're on a, you're on a trip, you know, you're just a normal person. So, well, my ex special Marine sniper turd, private detective, uh, who's also a
1: medical doctor, uh, but he's, but he's masquerading as a janitor. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and Yeah. that's (laughs) you've seen it you've seen it
0: yeah yeah yeah. no i know i know but the thing is it wouldn't give that much uh, of an advantage so right i mean again it's just that issue of yeah this prevents that from happening uh i mean there would be hard limits how much luggage your character could have or lug around with and be like how much you can fit in a car so it'd be so many points of luggage and so well i take all of it with me out of it like you're taking three suitcases worth of shit to complain to the front desk about it being too cold in your room Okay. Yeah. Well. Why? Well. Okay. Your character now is the trait. You, you've been here before. You're, you've activated the metagame features because you're clearly doing that. Like. Yeah. Or yeah. things like you know
1: I'm a mafia hitman who specializes in sniping people. I'm going to make sure I bring my gun case with me to the front. Desk. Yeah. <laughs> that shit. Uh yeah. And my vest because I, I always even, have a you know yeah. vest.
0: Yeah. I don't even have rules for guns yet. Like because, um, yeah. the doesn't yeah. Uh, I want guns to be extremely rare uh, and they're not going to be, they're going to be helpful against other humans, but um, there are mechanics for, there are monsters in the game. Uh, but like the way, the one thing I'm going to do is like in order to give character progression without being making characters too powerful is um, instead of like, Oh, I've gained new spells and abilities or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, or I've leveled up on my fighting skills is like, no, you can do a thing to learn how to fight a particular monster type of monster. And you can invent, you know, you can advance that. So, um,
1: that's the thing. Uh, or it could be, I have the secret knowledge of how to get to the really happy dimension. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, the estate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So like that, that's the character creation. is like, yeah, yeah, now you have a fighting chance against that type of monster. Yeah, and that's it like that's 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 you're that's how you're a badass now is you can
1: now you don't have to always run away against those things that's kind of how i read um when i was reading up on some facts on night Bla- night's black agents how the vampire are supposed to go is every attack is like an investigative action yeah so, kind of um, like that you build up figuring out what you're really supposed yeah my to do. deepest regret in Tarzan of tokyo
0: is i didn't I, I was i held back on the vampires too much i didn't i didn't really like yeah he just he, you, you you didn't you attacked him so you're dead like, he spends 20 points of aberrance to make three
1: attacks, and he inflicts 18 uh, damage to you. That sounds like he's still parsing on the players, though, because it sounds like it yeah. was a lot of, wait, I attack him now. It's like, well, he didn't invest. Every vampire hunting story involves shit tons of investigation. Yeah. Uh, at least that's my experience. Well, I, I mean, thinking. I basically set the
0: tone at the beginning of Tribes of Tokyo because mm-hmm. I let Aaron run up and try and stun gun a vampire, and the vampire just didn't kill him. Yeah.
1: Sorry, that, that, that was a very pointed silence. Um, damn, All yeah. right. Uh, love him to death. Because right. it
0: was the very first scene of the game.
1: And hey. I was like, I'm not going to kill you in the first scene. So Okay. So I imagine in, in, in your game and yeah. in mine as well, if you were going up against the monster in the very first scene to try and take it out right out, that's the dumbest fucking idea. Yeah. You can do it. You're probably going to get your shit I mean, your done. game is specifically about uh, subverting tropes like that. But yeah, the but way this- your game balance works, the characters wouldn't have that power yet. Hypothetically speaking I want to say One of the things I was like I really wanted to see How far I could break it myself After that second play test Yeah Is it possible To just ace the hero Or the villain Or the monster In the first First round Mm -hmm. Hypothetically I want to set up So you could do it But at Really tremendous sacrifice Mm -hmm. And it's probably Not going to work What would be really cool though Is if like Yeah oh we killed the
0: monster In the first team We killed Dracula uh, and then like the rest of the plot goes on like that didn't happen. So Dracula's minions all rise up and start killing people. And then like, Oh, we have to burn the town down to save it, to stop well, the vampires from spreading. That was one bam- But Dracula's dead. There's no head vampire. We must find that. Like, like they just ignore the Dracula's dead.
1: Basically that's, that's actually built in. Okay. Uh, the whole idea of flagging was you're supposed to get a total of seven flags for an assured victory. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you see if it sticks. And if you just do the big thing and you sit back on your hands, mm-hmm. uh, sorry to go- come back to my game. Online, yeah. But, no, it's fine. Uh, it was kind of baked in that if you just sit back on your hands, you've planted, I would say that's a big damn flag, so it's worth two out of seven. S- seven total. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so you have to roll a six to make damn sure it sticks. And in the meantime, the plot wants to happen. <laughs> it will find a way to still hit the mark. Yeah, it's just potholes, yeah. Yeah, so they killed the main vampire who was on the poster and everything and in all the trailers. Yeah, that's the. That, 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 you built in a twist, good for you. <laughs> now you have to deal with either the real super secret master vampire or mega
0: Dracula from the moon, <laughs> yeah. who's thirteen feet tall and has Dracula dogs that look like
1: Dracula. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, so no, but I, I, but in your game as well, yeah. it's the monster first shows up. Oh, I'm gonna nail it. I'm gonna push over a vending machine on that shit. You don't know how to beat it. You don't even know if that's gonna work. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, and the, my game is basically impossible to fight the monster until you learn how to fight it. Yeah, like you just can't hurt it. But it's kind of a built-in defense against players doing that. Yeah. I'm going to I, I'm going to one and done this thing. I'm going to you know one punch it for at least one type of monster. Yeah, um, and yeah, but
0: each monster is essentially like a whole research project. You have to. Un- it's basically a whole skill tree in uh, to unlock how to kill a monster. Narratively, I'd call it an arc. Really? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah.
1: It's each monster is a whole arc.
0: Well, you can learn how to fight or to evade it or to yeah. negotiate with it. So, like, uh, also one thing, there's one thing I read an interview with uh, Clive Barker, an interview of Clive Barker, and he said one of the reasons why he made Hellraiser is he wanted a monster movie where the monster talked and explained what it wanted and why it was doing what it was doing. And, like, I was like, holy shit, I want that, too. I want my monsters to talk to at least to be like, yeah, this is why I'm doing this shit, this evil, terrible shit. They're and, still monsters. Yeah. I mean, they're still monsters, but like, I like having dialogue scenes with players. And so, um, yeah. I like to have monsters being able to talk to people. Um, I mean, they're still going to like kill you or wreck your shit, but at least you understand why. They're not just nameless,
1: dumb animals that are, uh, ripping people apart. As, and also, they're still not the, the sympathetic monster. You know, it was, it was kind of interesting, but it has gotten a little bit. Tiresome? <laughs> Are you calling out Guillermo del Toro? Uh I'm calling <laughs> out more than just him. I'm calling mm. out a lot of shit. Mm. All right. Because then you get that leads into the the monster is my friend. Yeah, yeah. Well that's which, just Tom. oh that that's that's a lot of fucking people, dude. <laughs> and yeah. Uh that 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 leads to Twilight and you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's let's just nip that shit in the bud. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but having them talk is more interesting than having not. Oh yeah. They have motives. They can fuck with the players
0: more. Some monsters. They're so alien that you have to learn how to talk to them before you can actually do it. So, uh, before you actually can communicate with them. So, um, yeah, that's the idea is like the players and like, you know, the interesting thing about crafting that I realize is that you give players a certain currency, a certain resource, but then they choose how they want to allocate it. And that's the that's the interesting thing right there is it's their choice. Do they use this resource to make weapons, to make armor, to make utility items, to make healing items, like in what combination, like how, what kind of, how do they want to solve problems? So, I mean, that's you- the choice you're giving the players. How do you want to solve problems with violence, with trickery, with, uh,
1: yeah, negotiation, so are you enabling this as a sort of like a every pl- every character after a fashion? Sort of be- it gets the whole MacGyver gadgeteer thing going on, or is well, it more just the, you learn the metaphysical rules of the place? Then more more of that, but basically, like yeah, there would be
0: some. Most of the crafting is not going to be like I make gun, I make crossbow out of you know rubber bands and uh, yeah. pencils. You know, it's going to be there's
1: weird alien items in this thing. Uh, do you want yeah. me to spoil what I wound up doing to make a key card? Uh Sure. Yeah. uh Caleb was convinced that we had to find a dead person and put our key card in their mouth or something to put death on it. And I just sat there and went, hmm, my career just died. Yeah. Everything is horrible. Yeah. So I I think I took some kind of stress off that and then just bit the key card myself and was able to use it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where your broken trait comes into. Yeah. yeah. So like even though. Yeah. So certain traits even though they don't sound like they give you an advantage, like confident uh, or military badass, like, Hey, broken actually was really useful. So um, that, yeah, exactly. And that worked really well. Uh, But yeah, there's good. Like, I want to create a lot of items and like the, the, one of the problems I'm having right now is coming up with sort of an aesthetic. Like I want essentially magical items, but I want them to reflect really impossible, weird, interesting things, not like magic swords or whatever, but like, um, so you want more, more of a metaphysical reasoning as opposed to well modern magic ma- modern weird items, modern magical items, like things that would be interesting and sort of uh, awesome in the all f- sense of the word to people in the real world. So like one of the things I had was like uh, ghost frames, which were like parts of a building drawn on paper. but when you thought about it, it created a ghostly like a, if you had a pick a picture of a staircase. You could then create a staircase, uh,
1: just reshaping the architecture of the uh, local. So environment. sort of the Lynchian dream abstract yeah. sort of thing, which mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm totally down with that. Again, it's like I want I want to have art
0: of basically people who have been there. Like I want to show like person who just wakes up in the hotel versus like a progress bar, like or like progress pictures. Like here's this person as they start out. In the room, they're just dressed in normal clothing. Then here's they are, you know, a little day, they're, t- you know, their clothes are tattered and they look scared and they have a backpack, you know, and they're like, what's going you full of weird things. And then, like, when they've been in there a long time and now they're dressed in like clothing that they've made themselves, carrying some weird fucking weapons and they're scarred and but they they look determined. And like, I want that sort of progression. Um, so I want them to essentially become you know, almost alien themselves as they, they adventure in this weird. So kind of like part
1: one is just sort of confused. Looks normal. Part two is tattered has things that look like they make sense. Like, Oh, I found a sword or something. Mm -hmm. Part three is I'm wearing a jacket with a bunch of like troll doll heads sewn to it for protection. (laughs) Uh, Things like that. Just again, becomes a little more metaphysical as you go along, you know, by yeah. the end, you're like buckaroo bonsai or some shit.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the logic of the game is going to be like, I'm trying to go for the Metroidvania sort of scent of like exploring going, but being able to unlock certain areas. you like, you find the story that you can't get past. And then later on you get the item that lets you uh, open the store and explore the sub area. If you want to backtrack, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, part of ruin is also going to be like, do you even want to escape? You'll find there are things in here that are good. Like, yeah, there is a good area, like not 100% good because it's weird as shit, but it has things that can heal you. It, it, they, the people, the, the, the beings that live there aren't peaceful. They'll let you stay. They'll feed you. And, like, the question is do you even want to return to the real world? And so I find that kind of an interesting yeah. um, proposition. So,
1: and what dark secrets does that area hold? Or uh, you go to the obviously hellish dimension, which actually isn't as bad as you thought. Or, mm-hmm. or, or, it or really, you change, have you changed
0: so much that it's no longer hellish? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, are you now driven to escape, or do you realize, you know, what if I take this this healing item out with me to the real world?
1: Can I can I heal someone I know? You know, God, uh, I kind of have this mental image just now of like a a more experienced player character versus an earlier one. The earlier mm-hmm. one might have some advantages, I guess, in mm-hmm. respect that they're still fresher. Mm-hmm. But you get kind of this uh, Ford Prefect Arthur Dent mechanic going yeah. between players. Yeah, exactly. That could be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh. So. That's what I'm sort of going for. Because again,
0: ruin is going to be essentially a dungeon crawl game because you're just trapped in this infinite labyrinth of multiple
1: sub dimensions and weirdness and you're trying to find a way out. But it, it does kind of, again, it's subverting that in the respect that it's not, I killed the thing. I yeah. found another
0: thing. Yeah. It's definitely not going to be about killing things. Like and combat is certainly possible, but like combat's not
1: going to solve most of your problems. And the whole take 20 check for traps thing is sort of put out yeah. because it's not, it's not always going to be that obvious. So yeah. I, I really do like that. Um, yeah. Uh, Well, the goal is like
0: the players basically find out ways to gather resources that are, you know, and there are varying ways to gather resources. There's safe ways, there's risky ways. Obviously, you get better. Uh, And more things if you do the risky things, but obviously you can fuck up harder. Um, And then like, once you have these resources, you can allocate them to pursue any number of leads. Do you you relentlessly focus on escape? Do you like, well, let's go over here because uh, we've heard that there might be something beneficial to us here. It might make the, it'll take longer, but it'll be safer. Or do we just, you know, uh, or do we like, wait, we can do all kinds of crazy shit here. Let's, let's, let's look into this, you know? Yeah. So kind of the ex- crafting as a
1: form of exploration. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's like, whether you want to do an any percent run or a hundred percent run, you know, yeah. <laughs> that, that's kind of the, uh, aesthetic. So, uh, and then, yeah, just learning how to navigate the structure itself. So, um, that's what we're going for. So, um, in the next segment, we'll talk more about this with Caleb. And then of course his game Slingstone, which is about killing super people, uh, cause Wee. they're jerks. Uh, so we'll be right back and we're back and this time we have caleb hello everyone yep you haven't been on the podcast for a while uh I, I, what you're a stranger to it i was here a- yesterday <laughs> in this exact spot talking to this very microphone i know uh well i was just talking about game designers workshop ah no? uh, yes because uh, we've had other people on it mm-hmm. it's not just you and me anymore Yes. uh but in fact but we still have you i mean we'll we'll let you on you're a legacy at this point yep. you know? wow <laughs> yeah i'm just one foot in the grave Ross Payton thanks <laughs> Uh, but you have a new well. I mean, you have a new idea to talk about now. I got so. multiple new ideas. I mean, I'm busy over yeah, here. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, you uh, Slingstone, uh, which I mentioned a little bit uh, at the very beginning, but I haven't really revealed the plot or the premise of it. Uh, so tell us about that. Um, so I'm thinking about other RPG projects to
3: start, mm-hmm. um, and I very much like the Upwind system, the Q system. Yep. By Thanks, Jeff, Jeff Barber. Herbert. Yes, yeah. uh, and he's been kind enough to let me. Tinker with it. Uh, I don't know if it's going to play out yet, but um, the premise I have for Slingstone is a sort of uh, you know premiere season of TV in one night kind of thing. And the the premise is that you are um, killing superheroes, um, so you are unpowered people. You there is no way to get powers. You are not super people, uh, and in fact, you you have a moral or political or uh you know ethical imperative mm-hmm. to slay them because they for for reasons um so it could be like you're real tired of uh cyclops resurrecting his girlfriend who keeps on you know destroying entire cities uh of your loved ones and so he's got to go he's got to stop or you are real tired of uh batman beating up poor people for sport or <laughs> You uh they don't have to be uh full-blown licensed characters, but that is the yeah. basic premise. Um you are sort of interrogating the uh superhero and, and my sort of premise is that it's the superhero as state. Uh it is a you know metaphor for you know a, a personification of a asymmetrical warfare mm-hmm. in which, you know, they have laser eyes and you have a plucky attitude. <laughs> and uh how are you going to deal with that? Um So the premise would be to use the Q system, which is powered by cards. And what I'd like to do is eventually get it to where, um, the, the premise of the game is, is sort of building a trap or, or, or picking your spot with which to engage the attack. Uh, and in order to do that, you have to basically research the superhero's deck. They have their own deck, um, and it is, uh, got its own buffs according to its powers and you have to sort of research the weakness uh, to negate those buffs and what's going to be in those cards. Uh, or it's going to utterly wreck you when uh, the time comes if you're, if you're unprepared. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sort of premise is like how far do you push building the trap and risking discovery and having it go off early uh, versus, you know, when do you say this is enough and we... We go at it and we we go in for the kill. So, um, it's very much like the boys and uh, Stormwatch team Achilles. If you remember that old book, or. Um, the the certain, Reckoner series by right. uh, Sanderson.
0: Or certain Punisher alternate universe comics. Yeah, certain yeah. Punisher
3: alternate universe. You know, what if you're human, but you just really want it? Yeah. <laughs> um, and sort of a, a, a game about fanaticism and obsession mm-hmm. and uh, how far you're willing to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, your typical cheery, Hebron game stuff.
0: <laughs> uh, and... Q system is a real interesting choice for this because the this main strength of the Q system is you resolve entire scenes, entire encounters with one play of the cards. So yeah, you you, you progress a lot faster. Like combats, you set the stakes for a, you know a fight and then it's resolved uh, usually in one play. But yeah, I mean, and
3: and I kind of want to screw with that and make it like the fighting the superhero has its own system, so that becomes procedural. Yeah. But like the setting up for. Mm-hmm. That fight is the you know premise of the game or two games at most.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and if you wanted a campaign, you're just taking down you know the Justice League or something, right? Because they're jerks. Yeah, hope, hopefully before Zack Snyder makes another movie,
0: <laughs> I don't think that's. Yeah, I think we're pretty safe from that. Uh, you know, <laughs> you think
3: so? <laughs> you think? So. But I thought that many times before. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that is the the basic idea. Uh, so we ran a play test of it. That, yeah. was,
0: that was unique. Mm-hmm. Um, Two sessions. Uh, we I liked how instead of just giving us a premise, you use used uh, an, another game, Microscope, uh, in order for us to generate a setting in which there are super people who must be killed.
3: <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I want this to be a smaller book, if it yeah. ever becomes a book, than Red Markets. More of a toolkit, yeah. Uh, and more of a toolkit for you want to be asymmetrical um, and fight. You know, yeah, something that will wreck you unless you absolutely prepare for it. Yeah, um, and yeah, you uh, could
0: you could do that for a yeah. I mean, that, it could
3: be vampires. It could be yeah. you know, super people. Final Fantasy aliens. style bosses. You yeah, know. yeah, you're trying to
0: beat you know, up Sephiroth. Yeah, exactly. Um,
3: <laughs> whatever you want to do, I, I, I just want to do that. But it is, it's you know, I want it to be about the theme of mm-hmm. you know, asymmetrical uh, conflict. Yeah, and uh, you know fanaticism and obsession mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, so I, but I know I have bugbears, so that I, I would go to, and they would all end up being religious superheroes or something <laughs> like that. Um, so uh, we did microscope first, and we sort of built a communal setting that was super weird. Uh, not yeah, what I would have picked myself. No, uh,
0: <laughs> and any of us—I don't think any of us would have—but it, it was
3: interesting. It was uh, very. It interesting was stuff. like a like an into the badlands sort of l- low technology Post, post-apocalypse. Yeah, low technology post-apocalypse uh, espionage kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, which was which is pretty cool. Uh, and uh, so we played it. Um, now, I did not write anything really new for this, other than the. Um, you know, it's an indie game, so it's got to have note cards. That's like a requirement or they kick you out of the club. (laughs) Uh, I I made a little mechanic where you sort of stack note cards, which is like things you need to discover. And then you Mm -hmm. flip the note card, you know, more information, but you got to get deeper into the stacks to get more information on your target. Um, And so you're investigating different aspects of them. And ultimately it all led to a mechanical thing at the bottom for the fight. But you had to sort of penetrate layers of
0: secrecy and state control. How many were in a stack? I can't remember. Uh three. Three cards. Each one, yeah. And uh, you only got the mechanical advantage at the end? Yeah, pretty okay. much. Yeah.
3: yeah. Uh so you had to know like how does this power work? You yeah. know, and then once you learn how does power work, it's like, well, how do we stop that power? And then it was like, where do we find the thing that we now know stops that power? Um and so we 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 went through that. I'm trying to remember what it was. You So you guys invented a... There was a religion that had an animal pantheon that that yeah. was it. Like, all the other religions were Well, bullshit. I mean, these were like...
0: By pantheon, like they were more like old-style Roman gods actively interfering things through their avatars. They, yeah. They, they gave their powers to a human, and then, like, we were trying to kill the ram. And so, yeah. like, we... Couldn't just kill the ram because if we killed the ram, the powers would go to the next person in the lineage, yeah. So, and uh,
3: he was also impervious until you, yeah, uh, you actually never got the thing to stop his imperviousness, but you know, you choked him to death on a rocket, so yeah, that was interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, and he had, uh, you know, super speed, but you know, he was you found out that he was susceptible to zootropic diseases, so you gave him a you know sheep slash human dermal virus called Ord. <laughs> uh, I did a lot of research into sheep for this for it was weird uh thing weird things on Caleb's search history that's gonna get him arrested one day. Uh like a lot of research into sheep diseases. Um but yeah you 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 tuck through all that but had to do that you had to like infiltrate the schools of the RAM and then you had to like find the rebels of the church of man. And because Mm -hmm. it was a religiously organized power, you had to like perform a ritual for a like rebel God. Like Mm -hmm. that was
0: going to help you destroy the Ram by
3: killing a bunch of sheep and, um, but, I
0: mean, that's just kind of almost like a theme or a reskinning of, like, the standard, like, look at, in, a, in a normal superhero setting, quote-unquote, um, they would have you go into crime scenes where the superhero fought or yeah, like, yeah. In, interrogating yeah. henchmen and allies and reporters and, you know. Which is Q-Systems great for, because yeah, yeah. You're, you're resolving
3: entire scenes. Yeah. Uh, I and, do the legwork. Yeah. And, I did it. And I don't have to reskin, like, the stats on, you know, a sheep- superhero policeman's gun versus like (laughs) a metropolis policeman's gun. Like, yeah. Um, so I thought it went okay. Uh, I think I, I didn't change anything though. So like it was pretty easy because upwind is pretty easy in terms of its Mm -hmm. resolution mechanic. So I need to mess with hand sizes and change the probability for success. I probably need to mess with the character sheet a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe you have some more guidance for the
0: different tags you're adding in there. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, upwind does take some, the Q system does take some getting used to GMing in yeah. like figuring out stakes and then like making like the biggest thing is setting the stakes in, before you play the cards. Cause there's a rush to just like, Oh, let's roll. Yeah. And see yeah, what yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that's the opposite of how of more, everything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like that's, that's a sort of success a success
3: or failure, And then we decide. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and this is the first time you're you're designing a full game, but based on someone else's system yeah so uh that that's kind of interesting for you, I guess mm-hmm. um How has it been different than red markets i guess
3: well, I mean uh there's a big glut in red markets where it was like I did all the research for the setting and I knew what I wanted to do mm-hmm. and then there was like a year where I just couldn't figure out a resolution mechanic, yeah. Whereas now I have a lot of stuff that's done and I just need to start tweaking it and see what works and what doesn't. Um, and the right now, the thing holding me back is like other projects and uh, just time. Cause I've started work again. Yeah. Um. But uh. yeah, th- that's different. So there's, there might be a sticking point down the lane, but the sticking point of just like buying new types of dice and rolling them and see what I like <laughs> is, you, you know, there's no sad, 2 a.m. with decks of cards. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> trying to do probability math by myself. Oh. Uh but that that's what happens when you make up a new resolution mechanic, I mean. Yeah, it's pretty much it. Um so yeah, I I I need to tweak things and change things uh quite a bit. Um but we we ran a playtest of that.
0: Yes, two and, sessions. We have it recorded. I'm not sure what we'll do with it. But. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did like, like in upwind, you have like, um, your normal ability hand, but you also have a special magic ability, um, uh, hand that is all like you, you have three of the suits, uh, in one deck and then the other one separated. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Separated. So your one hand will be guaranteed to have useful cards, but they don't refresh as fast. Yeah. Uh, and you adapted that for David, I mean, for slingstone. Um, and, for basically something representing our character motivation, uh, for, yeah. Yeah. For killing, uh, super people. Mm -hmm. So, um, do you think you're, uh, and at the end of the playtest, it seemed like you might be wanting to revise that, revisit that issue. Uh, cause again,
3: I I don't know. I like that you have, like, you always have those cards in your powerful suit to rely on.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, but at the same time, uh, I think our hand sizes might be too big. Well, yeah. you're rocking 10 cards at any given time mm-hmm. and I'm rocking eight and that might. And I think the, the upwind base chance when you, when you look at like one, twos and threes. Yeah. Um, I think characters succeed something like upwards of 80% of the time. That That's
0: what Jeff was trying to go for. Cause he yeah. was going for a heroic kind of high, which power. is, yeah, it's well designed. Yeah. yeah.
3: Um, and I'm not saying Upwind's broken for doing that. I mean. No, it it, it does what it says on the tin. It's Yeah. Just like, like I, I wanted to be red. I wanted red markets to be brutal. And that means, like, a 45% chance of success with nothing. And yeah. that is still really low mm-hmm. compared to, like other stuff.
0: That yeah. It's horror tell. versus fantasy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Are you empowering or disempowering? your Yeah.
3: So I need something in between. I need to lower that number. Um, so yeah, I've been thinking, cause what, I don't, I don't want it to be strictly yeah. horrific, but I, but I do want you to have to be smart. It's like, asymmetrical. Like, so. Yeah. I want, I want you to be um doing power gaming the way I power game, which is like mm-hmm. minimize the stakes. Like <laughs> if you, yeah. Acknowledge that the dice hate you and you're going to fail. But be smart and don't take risks or set up redundancies or, you know, engineer the best possible situation, you know, mm-hmm. art of war shit that you'd need to do if you were fighting a god. Yeah. Uh, but I also don't want it to be like hopeless. You're you're bound to get fried, that
0: kind of stuff. So um, I know you did mention this in our places. We didn't really try it out. But basically, my understanding for the trap mechanic that you want is that you would be pulling – good cards out of your deck and setting them aside for the trap card and i feel like the next play test you definitely definitely need to try that because i feel that's going to be the best balancing mechanism yeah that means like if i if i take that king out (laughs) then like you know my trap's gonna be really good because it's a fucking king it's a high card Uh and i can crown it but um then i don't have a king in my deck so i can't i'm not using that for my regular plays so um, i
3: also want like a heat Mechanic where I take oh, yeah, cards out of my, de- my yeah. deck. So, like, it, if you, one of the stakes are be like heat goes up, and then it'd be like, I'll, it'll be like damage in upwind where you draw mm-hmm. a card and you divide it by three, you're divided by two, or you, it's standard. Um, so it would be, I, you know, I draw a card and then that is going to add to the heat number. And then one of the things that you'd need to research is like, when is that number go off? Like, when are we going to be, uh, you know, a, made the, uh You know the knowledge of the constabulary when are they when are they yeah. going to come for us you know to defend their beloved ram or superhero or whatever yeah, um so that's another thing we need to try, and I need a monkey with the uh probability, but i mean i I hope that once we can get a couple a campaign or something running and and get it tweaked to where it feels good that um it will not be four years of play testing. I can, <laughs> Get something out the well, door yeah, I mean, quickly, but- and then um, hopefully, when we when we write it, the stretch goals can be settings. Mm-hmm. For, for the thing which would be short and pretty easy to write for different people so
0: yeah um i feel like it's like 70 to 80 percent there um and like the trap and the heat mechanics that you're describing i think they're going to solve the power balances because you don't want to be them like the idea is that it's it's asymmetrical but it's not horror like they they they're gradually the care the pcs are gradually empowering themselves by building up a plan a trap to take down the bad guy or the, yeah. the antagonist i guess
3: oh i need a i need i do kind of want some sort of sanity or like courage mechanic too
0: oh yeah um cuz most people shit their pants when they fight batman
3: yeah yeah and yeah the
0: wounds uh
3: don't have to stay physical in upwind mm-hmm. uh but you know i i do want something to sort of defend against that um, yeah. and right now, if you don't write something on your character sheet to defend against that, you're kind of screwed, you're kind of screwed, Yeah, which isn't, which isn't super great. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to figure that out too, but those are all things to try. Um, but the, the main thing stopping me other than work is the fact that, um, I'm freelancing again <laughs> and that's more game design. Yeah. And then, uh, I'm also designing other games. So yeah. I've also made progress on Doctor Witch Doctor. Um so that is the um,
0: Have you ta- Have we talked about them? I guess it's been a while. Like, it's been not- a while. Yeah, um yeah.
3: so refresh kind of changed. Yeah. Uh it's a medical drama, medical mystery procedural show. Yeah. But the the and I've actually read one of those, The Ward, which is a uh, powered by the Apocalypse game. Mm-hmm. Which is very much storytelling uh game and it's you know, it's powered by the Apocalypse game. It's good. You got your moves, but you're not Solving really a mystery as to like cueing that it is you know love on the ward kind of stuff. So, I kind of wanted the you know like you know night nurses lurid soap opera shit that is every medical drama ever. You know your gray's Anatomy, but I also wanted you know some house in there. Like it is also a mystery as to what does the person have. Uh, and I've been thinking what to do that. So the initial way I thought to do it is two D one hundred lists. Um, and the way I'm going to do it is that the the other problem with doing a medical game and the why they aren't flooded, even though that is like, you know, there are millions of cop games and millions of superhero games and millions of mystery games and genre of all worse. But there's like two medical games because you require a lot of background knowledge to make that sound good, um, like whereas a lot of people can who don't own guns or don't use guns can feign gun verisimilitude and sound <laughs> They know like, what the, it does. <laughs> yeah. Sound like cop yeah. guys. Like it is really hard to, to you know, feign medical knowledge yeah. in any way, shape or form um, to the point where Grey's anatomy scripts are just written when they actually are doing something in the hospital that is not boning each other. <laughs> it, if you look at a script, it literally just says medical, 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 and then other character name, medical, medical, medical? Medical medical. Yeah, they have medical. specialists. And they that. have specialists that rewrite it, that that don't do anything with the script. So I'm like, well, why not just do that? Um uh only we'll have like a, a fun system for it. So the original plan was two D one hundred lists. One of them is actual medical things organized by actual medical systems. Um, which I would get someone else to write. Uh, And the other one is going to be a D100 list of supernatural stuff. So you have dental ghosts or uh, intestinal lycanthropy or dermal fairies, which, you know, oh, God, you had a fairy infestation in your skin. You don't want that. Um, And so uh, that is the sort of key as to doing it. Uh, And you're sort of role playing. So initially it was just like, to be a funny medical game. And I'm like, well, what if it could be like an actual game and no one at the table knew what the character had and you were actually investigating it. So, uh, then I thought about that a lot longer. And then I stymied on the D 100 list cause I couldn't come up with a hundred supernatural things in a way that organized them yet. And I'm like, well, I don't even know what's going to work yet. So I made two D 20 lists. Uh, you know, one supernatural and I got a biology teacher to help me with the other side. And I'm like, so we'll just randomly roll on these D twenties and we'll have it picked. And originally, uh, eventually I'd like the game run by an app to where it doesn't work. And so what I'm doing now is I'm taking those things. So if you did the D one hundred list, you'd have five groups of 20 on one side. So you'd have five families. So five potential diagnoses then beneath that, you'd have another five families or groups of four. And then beneath that, you would have another four individual adjectives or nouns, depending on what side you're on. Um, and then you'd have the same on the other side. So you'd have to move through these layers. Like you'd have to determine the larger genus of the disease on each side. And then once you did that, you'd have to figure, figure out its you know larger system. And then you'd have to find out the specific part. And then you'd have to see how it interacts with the other list you could do an actual deduction. So the way I have it figured out now is that I'm going to take this D100 list or this D20 list to see if it works, and I'm going to code it with symptoms, and it's going to be an actual role-playing game, as in there is not going to be a resolution mechanic that I can think of, so not dice or anything like that. But the person, there won't be a GM, but the person playing the patient is going to have to role-play symptoms. (laughs) And the people role-playing, the doctors, are going to have to use that role-playing to try and figure out what they have. Um, But the thing is, that would be too easy almost, like because it'll be a very specific list. You're just looking through the full list. So um, right now I'm thinking about coding everything in this weird mathematical cipher I've come up with. Which is like, all right, so if this family has symptoms A, B, C, right? The next family over is going to have the symptoms A, B, E, uh, A, B, C, A, B, D, right? And then that one's going to have, the one underneath that's going to have A, E, D. So like every symptom you have is located at three other places on the chart. And so you've got to sort of devise down, like through process of elimination with logical supposition. And then... um the so you can sort of logic your way through it but it's supposed to be a ridiculous game so the way you sort of power through it is you do cheesy medical soap opera shit so like you you know you, you try and revive someone and you know scream about you know you can't die on me or <laughs> uh you know you go out back and have a smoke and your mentor says you know you can't save them all like are <laughs> you you know have you know, forbidden love in the supply closet, or something—a or like. dark secret. Yeah, or like a dark secret. Uh, uh, you're just so basically the the characters playing the doctors would be soap opering as hard as they can to eliminate options off the list, while the uh, person playing the uh, patient doesn't know what they have. They just know that they have to role play certain symptoms. Uh, to to uh to get it through, and the matter of matter is like, if you guess wrong, basically the whole thing's on a clock because you're on the hit points of the patient. Um, and then when you're done, whether you succeed or not, um, I I, I will say that the advancement mechanic I've I've come up with it, I'm very excited. It's called scrubbing out. Uh, and so you play a musical song on a phone, and then you describe what your doctor's doing in the end of show montage. Um. I also kind of want to do variable player powers. So, like, I'm a druid anesthesiologist. I'm a, uh, v- you know, voodoo uh, X-ray tech. Like, what's y- and like have it give you a special power you can use to make deductions. But the the main idea is that it is just a fun, ridiculous role playing game. Like, in that you have to hold yourself to the rules and not just like burn through the app and see if it happens. Like sure. you've got to, you know, hold the role plays is like, well, I don't get that point to spin unless I role play this scene. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, if you uh, ascribe to that rule and do the role playing, they get the stuff. It's literally a game because if it's run by an app and everything's on the back end and it's this mathematical system, um, you, you, you don't know what the person has. Like you literally have to do, some form of, it's not medical deduction, but like some sort of diagnosis in order to quote unquote win. Um, and the fuel that gets you through that sort of very board game, video game aspect of it is, you know, doing dumb, melodramatic, so proper crap. And you don't have to worry about being accurate because no one has. <laughs> yeah, it's know, all made up. Yeah. yeah, nobody has eye. Intestinal for- uh, lecanthropy. Yeah, <laughs> nobody has that. Right? Yeah yeah
0: ocular see and that, it's so vague like is did, did you just get the intestines of a werewolf or are your intestines literally becoming a werewolf inside you
3: yeah and that and that would be think the thing would be like what is the, other than the symptoms like what is actually going to happen when the disease goes terminal like yeah. that is just like whatever you describe so like one of the role playing things is going to be like well of course it's like yeah. that so i actually went to the tv tropes page for every medical show i could find and just have printed out all the uh <laughs> dumb tropes that are used as as yeah. moves to to push the game for it so like well as we all know like and then that that's it like that's that's what it is like when the person does as we all know move <laughs> that's what that disease does like it is now established like and of course you knew all that. You're doctors. That's why you said it aloud to everyone. Um so it it's it's not going to be very serious like, you know, a lot of medical games like the ward, which is another thing I don't want. I've never been in a gunfight with tentacle monsters. So I don't feel bad about but, you know, I've been dying in a hospital before. It's not something I really want to role play. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fair, yeah. But, you know, I have never had, you know, borrowers in my spine or anything like, you know, ridiculous like that, or revenant fingernails, or like anything absurd. So I, I don't think that's gonna hurt anybody's feelings, even if they have medical issues. Yeah. So I'm really close on that. I just gotta figure the symptoms out and we can try that one out too, because I've got the D20s I and the the list expansion. Will take work, but if I know it, if I know how it works, I feel like I can hack through it because you know we did the D one hundred list mm-hmm. on red markets. I can do it again, by God. yeah, yeah. And by do it again, I mean just the fake made up one. <laughs> Hire smarter <laughs> people to do the medical one. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm working on that on the RPG space. Uh, I r- I really liked the the face off game design. And I maybe
0: we, we mentioned in our after hours. Uh, yeah, I, I maybe back
3: to our PVR Patreon. You can get that
0: episode now. I may be
3: prototyping that. a game where you play a dove in a John Woo film called Collateral Damage. <laughs> and it's, it's a, a great. Name. It's a bullet hell board game. Yeah. Um, you just want seed, man, but yeah. all these gangsters showed up and <laughs> started shooting an inspector tequila in the middle of your nest, and and you're just trying to live your life. <laughs> <laughs> You're not part of this war. Yeah. Uh, and so I don't I don't know if that's gonna play out because you know, still gotta get party foul of the way. But the main problem with doing all this stuff is that uh I have like twenty thousand words I owe for rain. Um so a campaign I shan't be running is a campaign I shall be writing for rain called Nagali C2, which is the sort of slave revolt in Thule. Game where like you got to rebuild a society, but be careful in what order. Like because it's you know if you bring in the religion first, it's gonna be real bad news when you bring in the economic guys after that. Or or maybe you bring in the soldiers and it works well, but now when you come back with the economic guys, they're they're not just religious; they're fanatical (laughs) death monks or something like that. Yeah. Uh, So every time you add something, it gets harder to alter the society um so i'm working on that and then uh, i don't know if you've read a delta green book but the research hurdle to jump on that one (laughs) they have high standards is significantly larger than other projects we have undertaken
0: (laughs) (laughs) not for you not necessarily i mean at least you're not doing uh you know cybernetic brain science
3: God, it could be worse, though. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I haven't turned in a draft yet. Yeah, but that's true. I know a shit ton more about like Egypt and dissipative adaptation and all sorts of weird shit. <laughs> never going to use anywhere else because I'm preparing to write uh, God's Teeth. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what I get done. Yeah. In the because in, my original plan was like. Well, I always work better when I work on two things, because when I get bored of it, I'll work on another thing. So the plan was Slingstone and Doctor Witch Doctor, and whatever got done first, yeah, is what we went with. But then Greg's like, "Want to do a stretch goal?" I'm like, "Yeah, put me way near the back," and he blew that away. Yeah. And then you know, the Tynes Kickstarter was just like, "Want to do God's Teeth as a stretch goal?" And I'm like, "All, all right, I'm real busy though." I was like, "It's okay." And I'm like, "All right, you gonna pay me this much?" Like, "Yep." I'm like, "Guess I'm." I <laughs> guess I'm doing God's teeth now because I mean I wanted to do it but like, yeah. I guess it's when it like, rains it I pours. guess it's happening right now yeah. Um, so uh, yeah so I'm now working on four or five things and the other thing was that I just think that face off game idea is really good and I want to do it um, <laughs> it is a good idea so I am uh, sort of swamped the, the idea was to go a little easier on myself but uh, I'm not promising anything at any time at this point. So, I, well, except for the freelance work. So, I, <laughs> yeah, you can't yeah, I'm it. promising that at any time, but I'm not promising anything of my own projects at any time. So, I, I guess it's okay that I'm sort of split like this, since I'm not uh, working on anything hardcore. Yeah. And then we're also still putting out uh red market supplements and whatnot. Yeah.
0: So. Um but I mean the heavy lifting for that is over. Like it's all. Yeah, other people are writing that. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Thank God. <laughs> like me. <laughs> yep. Uh so yeah, uh yeah, I'm working on multiple things right now like trabajo for red markets mm-hmm. and uh and then uh, uh of course ruin. And so uh, I've done two play tests now. Uh, I'm ready to do a third. I've added some more material after the 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 first two play tests. Uh, you were in the very first one, and you were obviously committed to stress testing it. Uh, so, uh, I don't know you're talking
3: about. Yeah. Mm, do you? I played a horror character, okay? Mm, yeah, yeah. Every horror movie needs that guy. And I <laughs> the was psychopath, definitively that guy. Yeah,
0: that's that's fair. And I saw the most number of routes. You so. did. You did. Um, that's actually one of the first things I'm going to change. I'm going to limit more. I've added new... Um, aside from having every major area that's sort of defined like the skyscraper and the estate, mm-hmm. uh and so forth, uh, I'm limiting access uh, to those. Uh, but I have added new rooms that are like essentially uh, more liminal spaces that are infinite and sort of procedurally created. Well, not procedurally created, but like in a sense, like, um, there each type of door will lead to a different area and some of these areas don't have access to symbols mm-hmm. um but they do provide resources but each one is, so so it's a way to sort of grind or continually gather resources players always yeah. have the yeah. option of gathering resources like one of them is if you go through i think uh I said it as a elevator door cuz it's a two story hotel mm-hmm. uh you when you go to the next floor you'll be at a different version of the hotel now um, and so like maybe one is like Arctic temperatures and it's like the, the, the Norwegian base in the thing, you know, it's all burned out and mm-hmm. it's freezing. Uh, or one is, you know, set, the decor is 19th century in style and it's like oil lamps and stuff like that. But it's got the same basic layout, but there's always going to be, uh, there's so the, but there will be resources you can gather like luggage um and food you know but there's always going to be like someone there who doesn't want you there and will you know so they're always going to be some kind of hazard uh and then the other type of space is going to be um if you go through a staff door, you'll go through some sort of liminal space, like an airport lounge. It's going to be empty and you can see things in the distance, but you can't get to them, but you mm-hmm. can keep going through this airport lounge. You'll just keep going on and on and on and yeah. on. And you'll find, and if you study, if you keep like going through it, there'll be subtle variations. So you can sort of start trying to figure out how the structure itself works, mm-hmm. but you know, um, you can go crazy and there are also things in it lurking. Much it. like Denver. Yeah, exactly. It's like the Denver airport. Um, <laughs> Um, so the game is uh, now. I, I definitely know after uh, the first thing, after the first two play tests, everyone split up almost immediately. So uh, I'm going to, I think, for the next play test, I'm going to add sort of a tethering mechanic, where if someone enters a major sub area like the skyscraper, for example, everyone is just teleported there. Everyone is bound to that. Everyone has to be in the same sort of exist plane of existence at the same time. Yeah,
3: I, I mean, if you if you want that, yeah, you. I mean, the thing is, is that it's like, if it takes place in a hotel, that is sort of an atomizing space. Like, you're not in a hotel for your, for community. Like, it is, you're, you know, it's sort of the, it's sort of like Ruin, you know, the architecture is dictating the story. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that regard, I think everyone is (laughs) playing it as like, well, my character would not. Yeah hang out with these randos I met in the lobby. Yeah. Um so yeah, you might need to do something like that. Uh, I I don't know if it's a teleporting thing or anything like that,
0: but well, I mean the idea is like if someone steps into like every everyone has to be in the same general area, which means yeah. they all have to be in the hotel or they all have to be in the skyscraper. Yeah. So someone steps in the skyscraper, everyone else is just suddenly blacks out and then they wake up and there's a skyscraper. Mm-hmm. Um and and that's sort of going to be part of the mystery. It's like, why are we all together? Why can't we like, and so like that forces them to be together to some degree. Um, so I want to see how that, I have no idea how that would work. So I'm going to play test that. To Maybe see the this. hotel
3: doesn't recognize them as distinct individuals. Cause like, yeah. Know, puny mortal. Humans. Well, that will be
0: like one of the things they can try out is try and figure out why they're there, yeah. like why they're all linked. Like what's, what's the connection other than that they were at the the same place at the same time. Yeah. So, um, and so that's one of the things we're going to try out because yeah, that was with six players. It was too much to keep track of with everyone. Did going. we run it with six? Uh, I ran it with six with the second group. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was, yeah uh, no, I don't remember it being yeah. six. So that was, um, uh, I think character creation though, like I was talking with Sean, I think that worked pretty well. Yes. Uh, that works really good this time. So, um, we're going to keep that pretty much the same. So I think that's solved. Um, And I don't know what, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier with Sean too, I think crafting I'm really interested in because if you give players certain resources, what I'm interested in is the players have these resources that are going, they can then allocate as they see fit into like, do they make weapons? Do they make armor? Do they make utility items? Do they make things that will help them navigate? Like how do they allocate resources? And I feel that's an interesting, uh, question.
3: And how are you doing those resources though? Uh,
0: well, like I said, there's already luggage, and that's for common items. So like, you're spending on those. Yeah, yeah. You, that luggage is like your currency. You use it to pull out commonly available items. Yeah. Um, then there is... Um, then there are going to be things you just scavenge in the structure itself. Like if uh, in the Ghost Archive, you can get not just the Ghost Frames, um, but you can get other sort of components to b- build other items. Like um. Basically, did I, I can't remember? Did I have the guest archive? Did you go through there? The library? Uh, not the library. It's basically uh, uh, uh the sp-
3: abandoned technology place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you can get various things in there, and um, the idea is that you can there. You don't just get items; you get components that you have to then combine. You have to craft into items, so it's not just getting one thing and there's your weapon it's like building getting two or three things and figuring out how to make it into a weapon um so mechanically are you doing it with like tags like
3: yeah like you have a hurdy thing, mm-hmm. thing then you have a protective thing then you have a rangy thing yeah then you have a utility thing you sort of mm-hmm. that's the only way i could see you do it because it seems like a point spin kind of thing with luggage which is cool yeah but
0: I mean, tags are gonna be the other thing. Yeah. If
3: Instead of you do crafting, uh, it would just be like a DC to craft whatever in luggage. Yeah. And then you spend the luggage points. But if you're crafting and combining things in unique ways, I could see you doing like tags to describe what it narratively does. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, describe whatever, um, uh, what is the movie with the, not the movie, the video <laughs> game with the guy who covers wars. Oh, uh, Dead Rising. De- yeah, n- make whatever Dead Rising yeah. dumb shit you want, as long as you describe it in the tags. Yeah, exactly. That,
0: that's other. kind of what I'm going for. Actually, okay. a lot of survival horror games do that now. There's a lot like Resident Evil. Yeah, um, I'm actually playing through another one called The Evil Within uh, Two. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, they have the same thing Some where you Rube Goldberg. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, be murdering. Yeah, um, and that—that's sort of the idea is like, uh, and basically every major area will have its own type of components that you can you can gather, and they'll each have their different themes. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's sort of where I'm also stuck on right now because I want to create a sort of particular aesthetic for these kind of items. I want them to have their own sort of peculiar laws of physics and be yeah. magical, but like yeah. not, um, not just magic swords and shit like mm-hmm. that. Like, so that that's sort of like what is the aesthetic of this game that I'm going for. Um, were there any other mechanics, uh, that you were really, um, I don't know, uh, in terms of pacing or anything else? Uh, uh I thought it was interesting. I, I wanted to see how the story ended,
3: but mm-hmm. you know, we were, it was play test, so You can't finish them most of the time. Yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't know, like, I know you had the system where like the thing could only be hurt on a certain number.
0: Yeah. I'm definitely going to revise that a little bit. I but like yeah, that I, idea.
3: Yeah, I like the idea, but like, I don't know why you need percentiles when like we were moving up and downs by tens almost entirely. You know well, what I mean? in
0: that case, remember because of the creature, the only way to hurt it was to hit its exact target number. Like, yes, a one percent. So
3: yeah, but like, I don't know why you couldn't do that and then have you got to roll two d10 and you got to hit this exact number, like because yeah, it's, it's the same equivalent. Yeah. Um. You. Basically, just make a D10, a D100, and then your skill points are just integers. Um, but,
0: yeah. Uh, well, it I, gives me more range to try it. Like, I mean, I have other ideas for That's these. fine. Yeah. 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 Um, I just, the the skill points were developed
3: as a result. The, the way the character generation worked, mm-hmm. it seemed like uh, a D100 might be too particulate mm-hmm. for, you know, like, I don't think I'm going to make 100 choices Yeah, a- anywhere. Like, uh, you know, what do I have to do during character creation part of the game to get a 63%, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, that, that was the only thing, um, I was curious about the resolution system, you know, roll under just seemed fine.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm trying to keep it simple right now because yeah, dice mechanics, as you mentioned with red markets, uh, is uh, coming up with novel dice mechanics, uh, is very hard. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I just wanted to keep things, like, uh, comprehensible to players because, like, I want to give myself room to create, like, I kind of, like, for certain areas, I want to change dice mechanics and stuff like that, like, for specific areas, like, where the laws of physics have changed in certain areas because, hmm. you know, it it is broken down. So, um I want to give myself that room, so I want to keep things simple at first and just grow into weirder and weirder mechanics, but I don't want to start out like that, so. yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like the creature, but
3: but you got to keep in mind that D one hundred for us is simple for us. Yeah. Like there are other people for which D one hundred is going to be like an exotic new thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't think thing, especially for the 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 audience for this is like especially horror RPG. Yeah. Fans. I yeah. yeah I agree. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't want to go to like a just like a D 20 rolling is going to be the, the, the only one bigger than that. So, um, uh, well,
3: well yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not saying go yeah, to yeah. a D 20 system. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. 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 I, unless I could see a way that where you can have something other than a skill percentage that ends with a zero. Yeah. And I don't understand the point of having a full blown percentile system. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we may get there. I, don't, yeah, I yeah. don't know how that works. Like maybe you spend luggage on it. I, you know,
0: I, Oh yeah. That, yeah. That could be a thing. Like yeah. you spend luggage you get a, a one-time bonus on a scale. Like yeah. every point is like two points or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I have also, I need to work more on the economy of luggage versus evidence versus cell phone charges. Um, and that kind of thing, especially yeah. and food. Like, uh, food is basically spending time to do a thing. Is mm-hmm. how it works. Um, if you want to like craft something, you have to spend food because it takes time to craft things. Yeah, so. I
3: love that cell phone charges is is a is a currency now. Yeah, that is very smart.
0: Um, it's definitely gonna try and come up with as many uses for cell phones as I can. I want this to be like the most common thing your character has is not a gun but a cell phone. Like that's the you, yeah because that's the modern thing. Yeah, everyone has a cell phone. <laughs> yeah, uh, to take documents to record things uh what do you think of the vignette stuff um i i thought it was good yeah i think
3: you want something very silent hilly yeah and uh you know
0: focus on the character and
3: why they are in this terrible place yeah that kind of stuff i
0: think i'm gonna when i write them out for the actual game i'm gonna be like very specific and like here for this vignette here's the cast here's what the characters learn here are the things the players actually need to role play here's what the scene would be about more prompting Mm -hmm. um but um you know like what are yeah so it's like an, doing an improv thing but like with very specific things to fill in so um yeah anyways um so yeah i'm working on that uh i'm ready to do another play test of that of ruin uh whenever we have time so uh maybe next week or something like that we'll just talk about it um and, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, Sean is ready to playtest uh, Derail again, uh, and he might be coming to Springfield Games, so he might be able to record that. Oh, cool. The uh, game only takes an hour or two to play, so uh, I'll tell you about it after the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> so, I, I yeah. doubt
3: everyone who's already just heard it. Yeah, Thanks just heard
0: me. it to <laughs> again. So uh, it's something, yeah, to check out. But anyways, uh, we wanted to give you guys uh, an update for our game design efforts. Yeah,
3: tell me what I should work on in the comments, because yeah. I don't know. Other than the freelancing stuff, I know to work on the freelancing
0: stuff. And also, don't forget uh, if you back the RPPR Patreon before uh, September, before the end of September 30th, uh, you will get an enamel pen of our new uh, logo. So $10 or higher. So, yes. Enamel. Yes. Bone. Yes. Well, I mean, metal, but yeah. (laughs) Bonus the twenty dollars, twenty dollars pins of bone. Oh, oh, okay. Don't um, ask where the bones come from. I, I was, I'm. I, this is all new to me. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll just take it and face back. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye.